Luke, what's wrong? Leia, do you remember your mother? Your real mother? Just a little bit. She died when I was very young. What do you remember? Just images, really. Feelings. Tell me. She was very beautiful, kind, but sad. Why are you asking me this? I have no memory of my mother. I never knew her. Luke, tell me, what's troubling you? Vader is here. Now, on this moon. How do you know? I felt his presence. He's come for me. He can feel when I'm near. That's why I have to go. As long as I stay, I'm endangering the group and our mission here. I have to face him. Why? He's my father. Your father? Do you expect me to talk? And welcome to episode 89 of Do You Expect Us To Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and joining me as always are Grand Jedi Dave, Chris, and the wonderful Charlie from Movie Drone. Yep, no. Good evening, folks. <laughs> Charlie, you just went nub dub. Yep, nub. Yep, nub. Yep, nub. I like it. <laughs> oh, lost in the midst of time now. Fuck that. Yeah. We can hop on the caravan of courage. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to talk about that near the end. We probably won't so. be doing the caravan of courage. Probably. Interesting use of the word probably there. <laughs> there you go for the 100th episode, the holiday special. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Like, the thing with, thing with like, the title, like, the caravan of co- uh, courage, it, it almost sounds like a piss take title, like something you just make up to take the piss out of it, but that is actually yeah. the name of the film. <laughs> I know. It's bizarre. I mean, you don't get the kettle of happiness, do you? <laughs> Very strange. Courage, it rises, I've never it seen it. Have, have any of you seen any of those yeah, films? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You have. I, yeah, I, 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 I remember renting out, thinking, "Oh my god, this is going to be fun," and I remember really disappointed. Yeah, I think I mean, I've always had like canon problems. That if it's a spin-off, it's like oh, I don't fucking count bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> but, so know, I don't think we'll be seeing that Jinx movie anyway. Then, so that's okay. Jinx, Christ. <laughs> I mean, Halle Berry, I, I watched her in Kingsman the other night. She's ageing as well as anyone I've ever seen. I remember saying that about Tom Cruise, but Halle Berry is genuinely, she I think. Look the same. She, she, she must be in deep, even. She must come out of deep freeze for filming, and that's it. She does. She's, she's 51 years of age, which is far from old, but she doesn't look it, does she? If someone told you she was 35, you'd believe them. Yeah. Incredible. Anyway, what are we doing tonight, Becca? <clears throat> Indeed, it is time to celebrate and yub nub, um, as we discuss Return of the Jedi, starring <gasps> Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Silly Jedi. 
Dandy Jedi. Uh, yeah, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy Dee Williams. I turned a page. James Earl Jones, Alec Guinness. I can't, literally can't read my handwriting. Kenny Baker, Anthony Daniels, Warwick Davies. Sebastian Shaw. The score by John Williams, scripts by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan, directed by Richard Marquand and released in 1983. Some other notable movies also released in that year. Bond fans, you might know about. Octopussy and never say never, never say never again, which Becca refuses to count as a Bond film. Yes, which no. I, I don't hugely, I don't hugely disagree to be honest with you. But it, you mentioned Bond, and obviously it's a film with James Bond in it. That doesn't make it a Bond film. It's not Eon. An, yeah, and an it's an Irving Kirshner film as well. Yeah, that's not Eon Bond film. Therefore, does not count. I'm inclined to agree, but I actually like it more than. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't, which isn't difficult. I went to the toilet earlier and I enjoyed that more than Octopus as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, it was a lot quicker, wasn't it? And... Quicker and I didn't need a stunt I'm, I'm double. I'm satisfied. Yeah, I didn't need a stunt double, you know. Anything. And you stunt bomb. So what were you guys' reactions to Return of the Jedi then? Obviously this is the absolute, well, tail end of this arc from the Star Wars series. I'll go first, simply to say this is um, comfortably the most difficult film for me to review that I think we will ever do. And I I thought Superman and Superman 2 would be in that region because I I saw them when I was so young and they've been with me for so long. But there's a world of difference between seeing Superman 2 at four and seeing this at the age of six and a half. Because seeing it at four, I can remember going to see it I can remember a couple of things from the day. I can remember a couple of images from the screen. Um, and that's kind of about it. I remember it most than, more than most people would remember something from that age. But the difference is, Return of the Jedi, I, I remembered the plot and stuff. So I was being that little bit older, it was really difficult to have... Uh, it's very difficult now to try to be objective about it. And I don't have that problem with Empire. I don't have that problem with the first film. I, I have it to some degree because it's wrapped up with nostalgia and childhood. I'm not largely that nostalgic about childhood, but certainly Star Wars has that unique feeling to me. Um, but Return of the Jedi, I saw it six and a half. It's my, it was my first exposure to Star Wars, as I can recall anyway. And it's a bunch of like I, iconic images to me as well. When I think of the iconography of the series, when I look at it objectively now, I think probably the lightsaber battle from um, episode five. I almost hate calling it that. I don't know why I did that voluntarily. But the Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. And drilled into you. I know. Um, it's, yeah, it's the format of going through all of them. Um, and also the sort of, I, I suppose, the trench run from the first film. But... There's something about Luke with the blue, uh, the green lightsaber. Now, again, that's almost going to be overwritten as we go forward because his blue lightsaber from The Empire Strikes Back is in the sort of story of the new films. So that's becoming much more his iconic lightsaber. But at the time, when I think about Star Wars, the original trilogy, I, I think of an awful lot of th- stuff from this film. Han frozen in carbonite. Uh, Luke all in black um, with the green lightsaber, um, Jabba, um, uh, the Emperor 
the emperor sat in that chair and, you know, a great many things and that, that voice <laughs> and stuff. Um, it's also one of the best space battles I've ever seen. And without CG, that is still impressive that there aren't many space battles that ever match the end of this film. Well, it's got, um, it's an epic space battle, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the problem is when I look at it, this is the film that I'm, I'm theoretically most in love with. And the reason I say that is, if you say to me, which is your star- favourite Star Wars film, I- I'm finding it very hard not to say last week's. But at the same time, uh, if I ever sort of start daydreaming almost without thinking about Star Wars, an awful lot of this film seeps in. I think the final thing I- I'll just say on it is that um, I must be wary of the effect of the prequels on this film. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of moaning over the years that I've read about the Ewoks and how they're so kiddie and all the rest of it. And actually never really had a problem. I mean, the fact is, in that era, you had to do something with somebody in a suit or a puppet stop, you know, or something stop motion. Well, for a speaking character, that's unlikely. So it's a puppet or something in a suit. And the whole point that I do, but there's some things Lucas says that I think you may have misremembered that or you're guessing or whatever, but he's consistently said that it was meant to be Wookiees, but the Wookiee was the co-pilot that became, he's too technologically advanced. So I'll cut him in half, call him Ewoks. And you think, well, I, I believe that I think. So if there'd never been another star Wars film and you complained about this being kiddie, I don't think I would have agreed, but now it's coming to this narrative of a trajectory that goes into the prequel of kidifying everything. So I'm going to have to think about that as I go through. So I think as a first thought, I'll tell you what I think during the film and at the end, but as a first thought, this is a really difficult film for me to review. Yeah, I'm, I feel exactly the same way, Dave, to be honest with you, because you know, out of the three original Star Wars films, this is the one I grew up with the most. I mean, it was the one that's constantly on ITV constantly on TV. I mean, like, the uh, the other two, I have vague memories of watching it, but, of what, well, sorry, watching them. But until, but I, but my distinct memory of actually what, I mean, I remember the, when this was actually first aired on TV and watching it. I'm like, wow, this is like the, the third and final part of the chapter. Well, I mean, as, as, a, I mean, as a kid, Chris, yeah. I mean, I didn't like the second one because I know why now as an adult, but as a kid, I was bored by it. And the first one, because of the order I saw them in, the first one, as a child, felt like a pale copy of this yeah. one, which but, obviously is clearly not true. But I, I was trying to think how old I must have been. I mean, like, what, I'm, I'm born in 82. This was You'd made in 83, was it? Yeah, it came so out. Let, let, I imagine it would have been worldwide releases. You'd have been about fifteen or sixteen months old when this. Oh, sorry, let me think. You'd have been about eight months old when this came out, something like that. So nine months. Yeah, I imagine when this was actually first aired. I imagine must have been. I must have been at least about four. So my that's about as, as early as my memory is of watching it. Yeah, it came I'll, out second of June, nineteen eighty-three. In this country, in the Charlie. UK, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so well, Chris, you're second of August, aren't you? Yeah, uh, third. So you uh, third. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. But yeah, you were basically ten months old when it came out. So I definitely remember watching it on TV um, when it was first premiered. Because I remember it was a big thing, and like sat with like all the family because they you know it's Star Wars, isn't it? And it was, it, and I remember it being like kind of like a cool experience. And I've always thought Jedi, and I still do. I think it's a it's a very satisfying conclusion of. of to the, to the trilogy. I mean, 
I don't think it really puts a a foot wrong um, for me. But I do find what Dave is saying kind of right. And you know, I found like this viewing kind of a bit hard to really review because I've seen it so many times. It's the one I grew up with the most, and I'm in, in a, not to like put it down, but I feel like I'm almost bored by it. It's not really the film's fault. It's just I've just seen it so many goddamn times, and I'm like, I'm also actually more excited by watching A New Hope and and Empire. Even though I was a bit, of, even though I was a bit of a moody git about Empire, but still, I mean, I was Chris, more... that's a, that's a shock for me. I mean, because if there's one talent I have, I can watch things afresh. Yeah, and I can't, I can't do it with this film. Yeah, I know, I know, and I know exactly how how you feel, and I think I had the same sort of thing because it's like, yeah, I, I, cause you, I think, yeah, I know, accustomed to how you feel of it, you just feel like um, you know where you stand with it already. You know, you, you you you've grown up with it, so you kind of like you feel comfortable with your position. It's fine. It's it's you know, it's it's a decent end to the trilogy. It may may not be your favorite, but it you know it's 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 it does what it needs to do, and you have your your favorite bits, and that that's it really. Um, but that said, I, there, there is lots to like. I think it's very well paced. It, I think uh, it, the way it's structured, the stuff with Jabba's grey, uh, the, uh, the 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 speed chases stuff, it sequence is good. Uh, I think how it hand, how it balances the uh, the. The three major set pieces where they got the space battle, you got the lightsaber duel on the, the, the new Death Star, and you got the battle of the Ewoks. I think it does actually really rather well, and you know I think the everyone, everyone in the film is 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 great. Um, and I, and I, to add on to the um, the Ewoks thing, one thing I will add, and I, I do agree with you on that as well. There is probably like a link to the the kiddiness, but I never had a problem with it within this film. But what I think really, what really helps it. Uh, what I really liked about it was it was willing to go a bit dark. I mean, I'm, I I remember the the things that stick in my mind. Um, I mean, you have many moments of joy when 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 they have the the victories, but it's there's a certain sort of like little sort of moments of tragicness. You know, when like you see the the two Wookies, uh, not Wookies, the two Ewoks running away, and they they're, and like that like with this little there's like a little explosion, and they like they both like fall down. And then, like one gets up, saying, "Oh, I was faking it." Little moments like that, you think, "Oh, you know, it, it might sound insignificant. You might think, don't need to put that in, but it matters a great deal. It's little, just humanistic touches that make you think, oh, you know, you know, this, you know, it's kind of almost, almost like kind of like resounds in your head." So, I think yes, I think those kind of little moments make the film make made me think. Actually, no, this is actually really well done. Um, I can't really add much to this. Um, for me, I, I don't know. This, this film's probably like the weakest one for me, um, just because it's not the one I, you know, perhaps engaged with the most growing up. Um, I'm, you know, there's lots of great moments like the, the speeder chase, which I think is really cool. Um, Ewoks, I've never had a big problem with them as far as I'm aware. Um, I think was, there was obviously trend in like the mid to late in the 80s and 90s as well for kind of, as you said. Um, Stop motion animation, or you know, people in suits. Um, and I think, am I right in thinking there was an animated? There was a cartoon. There was a droid. Kind of cartoon. Cartoon. There was. There was an Ewoks. Yeah, there was an Ewoks. There was an Ewoks. Was there an Ewoks? Oh yes, there was. Yeah. Wasn't there? Yeah. Yes. I never watched it, but I'm aware of it. <clears throat> but no, that's, that's one of those things. Obviously, I wonder if it came out of. That's where a lot of like sort of Ninja Turtles and Biker Master Mars and Swap Cats <laughs> and those kind of like um, you know, what's it called? 
oh, I can't think of the word. Um, anyway, that's you know that kind of trend sort of came from maybe, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I just you know I, I did enjoy this film, but for me it's probably the least that I, I know the least about. Obviously, you've got sort of classic moments, or and the as I say the space battle towards the end is, is just fantastic. Say without a great deal of CGI. Um, when you've got classic moments like a showdown between Vader and Luke at the end, and the Emperor as well, of course. Um, and it's a trap, um, which is brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's a trap. Like, speaking the freaking obvious, Admiral. Thank you. Um, it wasn't obvious though when you go through the film. No, it's not. No, it's kind of like a little bit Captain Obvious, but <laughs> fair enough. But no, I think it's a classic. Um, it's a classic line, um, and it will forever enshrine Akbar in in the cultural history. I'm kind of. Along the same lines where, again, because this was the first one I saw, um, I don't think it's the first one I actually saw, but the first one I saw in the cinema. Um, so, and again, like Dave, I... Cinema's are special when you're a child. I mean, yeah, I love yeah, them now, I have, but they're special when you're a child. I have vague memories of, of... I still vividly remember being outside and seeing the poster, and I think Jabba is kind of about the, about the only thing I actually remember from actually seeing the film. But I've and I've got um, a photo somewhere of me at Christmas '83 um, with all the Return of the Jedi toys. Um, you so, were about, for context, you were about five then, weren't you? Uh, well, were you born '78? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So by Christmas, I'd be five. Um, so yeah, so from that whole thing. Um, I was thinking about earlier the same thing that uh, how difficult again more than the other two that it is to be able to to kind of to look at this objectively. Saying that, I do think that um, it's very much a film of highs and lows. Maybe that's a bit unfair, but I think kind of. There, are, uh, some of the pacing is a bit off. Some of the characters, um, or some of the actors, are maybe kind of a bit kind of resigned to thinking, okay, this is the last one. I'm kind of a bit bored of this now. Um, and maybe it, I don't know, want to say it suffers, but because there's so much focus, rightly so, on Luke. I mean, that through line is what is, is the backbone of the film. And emotionally as well, and I think Mark Hamill in this film is so good, and um, just all the way through. But and again, the, there, there were obviously the, the Ewoks and stuff. I've never had a problem. They didn't actually do that much. They chuck some rocks at stormtroopers and things, but they, they kind of, in in terms of what they actually do, they don't do a massive amount. Um, they're more kind of distractions more than anything. Um, but in terms of where Lucas was going and uh, with kind of what he was doing in the merchandising and things like that. And then furthermore towards the prequels um, and kind of, I guess, conserving his empire, so to speak, um, and uh, making sure all of that was kind of self-sufficient. Um, but the lightsaber battle at the end is incredible. Um, and it's not just incredible because it's choreographed really well, but because it's so emotionally satisfying. I've done a lot of thinking about that in the last few days because it's always been my favourite lightsaber battle in the series. Mm. But watching 
last week's so critically and then straight on to this one. I think last week's looks better, feels better, is shot better. And also there's there's a more there's more of a sense of peril last week because Luke is out of his depth. At no point this week did I ever think Luke was out of his depth. But at the same time, there's so much more emotion in it. There are greater stakes in yeah. it. It feels well, to me. It, it doesn't help that it. It doesn't help that it keeps cutting to other stuff, though, doesn't it? It's like you know. Well, that, that, that's kind oh, yeah, of but that's, that, just... that's the developing Star Wars format. That's yeah. how the films yeah. are, and that happened in Empire as well. Yeah, but it is more so here, definitely. But yeah. um, it, I think, a lot of it is almost the end of it, it it's two bits of the battle it's two or three bits of the battle for me it's when luke summons his lightsaber to him and goes for it it's mm. also where they're hiding from each other until he mentions his sister yeah um and it's also that wielding it like a baseball bat at the very end of the fight it's the most emotional i i'm sorry i cannot get on board and actually when we get to them i'll say some positive things about the lightsaber battles but by and large, I cannot get on board with them in the prequels in terms no. of let's all jizz our pants about them <laughs> yeah. because they, they've missed the point of, well, what do you want? Go and watch Strictly Cub Dancing if you just want to watch fucking choreography. But what I like about it is that they are two sides of the same coin, the two battles. In the, If you go and watch The Empire Strikes Back, um, Vader's fighting one-handed. It's not that difficult. He has to concentrate. Luke clearly has some ability. But he can fight him one-handed and put him off and throw things at him. By the time you get to this one, Vader is absolutely having to give it everything. And I, I, I love it. I, I love the... It, you know, one of the things I'll just very quickly say is that it, it, anyone who listens to this show a lot, particularly as we do largely sort of genre films, is that... Um, I often have, like, Act 3 problems because they descend into just action and that's it. Um, I would put this up with um, Rogue One um, in terms of Star Wars, but there, there are others. Um, uh, Guardians 2, I think, is another one where the third act is really special. The third act of Return of the Jedi is outstanding. I think all of its problems are in like the first act or so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's different as well. That it is that It's almost the whole act in itself, the whole film. Um, because of the way it stands in the trilogy, but I mean, just just going back to the um, the lights of the battle for a second. If you watch the Empire Strikes Back one from the moment um, Lando and Leia and stuff, etc., escaping the Millennium Falcon, watch it from that point, and then watch the Return of the Jedi one from when they're hiding under the stairs and what have you. They are essentially quite short from there. Though. They're essentially mirrors. In Empire Strikes Back, Vader goes on absolute force to Luke, battering and battering and battering him until he cuts his hand off and Luke is down before him where Vader's look there with his lightsaber. Luke does exactly the same thing in Return of the Jedi, right down to cutting his hand off. That's how you do rhyming, you know, exactly. in terms of this, yeah. Absolutely. And, just, to, just to go on to very quickly before we can sort of get into mm. the film in order... Directorial choice this time. I mean, Irving Kirshner's um, filmography is patchy. Bits of it are great, bits of it not so great. But Richard Marquand, I think, wasn't remotely as well known. Um, 
and it's a bit of a poltergeist situation. Uh, not poltergeist. Yes, sorry, I'm thinking of poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. To- to- Toby Hooper is the name director on it, but it's largely f- rumoured that Spielberg did most of it. And I think the same is true here, that no one ever argues that although Lucas had a deep involvement in it for obvious reasons, Irving Kirshner directed The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's often felt that like Marquand basically gave in to Lucas at every turn here. The other film he's very known for, he died very, very young. He died before he was 50, I think, of a stroke, before the 80s was even out. The only other film I really know him for is Jagged Edge. Mm. Oh, shit, was that him? Jagged Edge was him. I had to look it up. I didn't know that. I didn't. That wasn't knowledge, Chris. I had to look him up a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. He did Jagged Edge, which is Jeff Bridges and... Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Oh, Glenn Close. I'm th- Jane, Jane Fonda. I'm thinking of the morning after. Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty good, though, as I recall. But I he's I've seen not that or known not. for a lot. No, he did a film called Eye of the Needle as well, um, before Return of the Jedi, which was a kind of um, World War II spy was, film. Uh, uh, it, it, that's the film that um, drew him to Lucas's attention. Yeah. I've not seen it, Charlie. What is it? I it's a, needle, what's it? Yes, it's like a it's, it's like a spy film um, with, during World War Two um, okay. with with Donald Sutherland um, as a as a German spy, okay. um, and uh, he's he's over in uh, in England, um, so he's trying to get back to Germany um, to give information about the English war effort. He's certainly a bit of an odd choice in um, retrospect, though, isn't he? I think I think what the reason, probably the reason that he picked him was um, maybe someone that wasn't that familiar with special effects. So Lucas could do that side of things. I mean, Lucas considered uh, David Lynch for that as well, doesn't he? Well, and David Cronenberg, yeah. Yeah. I think both of them would have been extraordinarily odd choices for he, a. He offered a, it to a, David Lynch. I know he offered it to David Lynch. You can kind of see, especially in the first part, um, like somehow in in some like the darker, mid more a bit more of seedier tone within in Jabba's palace. You can kind of possibly see like that, like a little bit of the Dune kind of like uh, look and vibe. You can kind of like I can kind of, but I can't. I can't imagine David Lynch doing like. I think my only concern would be that. Um... It's not that directors can't have a voice on this, and, and that's true right through to the modern films, but there's no doubt that a bit like James Bond, it's a producer-led series. Yeah. And I just think David Lynch or David Cronenberg, less so Cronenberg, because there are films I can point to in his filmography that don't scream David Cronenberg, but certainly with David Lynch, I just think it would stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, who knows? But I mean, maybe it was early David Lynch as well, wasn't it? So it wasn't like... Yeah, I mean, so supposedly the, 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 the first choice was Steven Spielberg, but because Lucas quit the Directors Guild after I, I the Producers so. Guild after um, Empire... That was all over. That was over Empire. We didn't talk about that last week, Charlie. Yeah. It's all to do with where you put the director's name. Yeah. And the, the director's name is supposed to go in the opening sort of credits or at the very start of the film, if it's any kind of cold open or whatever. And of course, because the format had been set of the crawl, 
You yeah. don't suddenly want to see directed by Irving Kirshner in the middle of that, before it, after it. It ruins your format. So he put it at the end, and they were fined, I think, quarter of a million dollars. That's off the top of my head. I might be completely mm. wrong with that, but they were, they were fined. And in protest, he quit the Directors Guild. Now, what that means is that effectively, at the time, Star Wars films were like non-union films. Yeah. Which meant that a bit like Quentin Tarantino, just off the point and going back to Bond for a second, um, there was a lot of talk about Tarantino directing Casino Royale. He couldn't because you've got to be a member of the Directors Guild and he is not. So that is all smoke mirrors and bullshit, right? Now, but the thing is, at the time, at the time it needed to be non-union. Well, Irving Kirshner was largely teaching around this time. Mm. So he would have been all right to do three if they'd wanted to carry on with him. But yeah, you couldn't have had Steven Spielberg make this film without there being some accommodation to uh, DGA rules. Bloody rules, eh? (laughs) Shakes fist. But yeah, I'm I'm a little bit... I I still don't know how you go and pick Richard Marquand. And it's not that I think he did a bad job. I'm not not being critical. If we take it, because we'll never know for certain that this film is his vision and he did it and all the rest of it, that's fine. Then it's not that he did a bad job. It's just that when you look at the films, you go, George Lucas, well, I know him. He created Star Wars, funnily enough. Um, But then you've got Irving Kirshner, and I think, well, I know him from a couple of things, including Never Say Never Again. Uh, And then you go, Richard, and then you come forward to like the new films and you go, J.J. Abrams, yeah, I know him, you know, Star Trek and Mission Impossible 3 and so on. And then I think Ryan Ryan Johnson, yeah, Looper. And then I go, Richard Marquand, and I've got a look up that he did Jagged Edge. Yeah, he's not so well known, is he? So, yeah, I literally just think it was because um, Lucas needed someone that, uh, to work was with the just reliable, reliable could could do stuff pretty well, and probably come in un, under budget a bit, I imagine, um, considering the budget. Again, the budgetary problems that they had on Return of the Jedi, where they had to kind of go over to the bank and ask for more money and things like that. Um, but just someone who could be a, a point man for Lucas, someone competent who can just get the job done. Really, that's the mm. kind of thing. I mean, on fan on on, uh, on Ivan Kushner as well. Um, you know, I think he's mostly known for Empire. So I think at the time, casting, oh, yeah, you know, at that well, casting, but in terms of uh, annoying director, he probably wasn't like considered he like. Taught, well, he, he taught at the University of Southern California. Yeah. Uh, when Lucas went there. So basically, he, he, he asked his teacher to direct his film. <laughs> so I never knew that. That's mm. great. Yeah. Irving Kirshner is known for a couple of other things. Let me look him up a second. Apologies for he did, me. He did a film called The Eyes of Laura Mars. Um, no, I, that's the film that really uh, attracted Lucas to him. Yeah, um, he also um, did a Return of a Man Called Horse. I need to look him up. There's something else. And there is Robocop something. 2. Well, yeah, I know about Robocop 2. That's not the best um, example to sell his abilities. <laughs> well, no. Uh, Robocop 3 though uh, yes better than Robocop 3 there's no doubt about that Uh, The Eyes of Laura Mars is actually the the, yeah thinking about it that is the main thing I'm wondering what Up the Sandbox is about (laughs) Um, Um, let's not ask about that Radon and Tebby as well which is kind of doesn't kind of oh no I've seen that 
That's classic yeah. war movie. It's a TV movie, though. But yeah. Mm. But yeah, he was teaching at the University of Southern California. Actually, he's got nowhere near the number of credits you would expect. So he obviously spent no. quite a lot of his career teaching. But yeah, sadly passed away now. But. Um, Richard Marquand. As, yeah, Richard Marquand died really young. Yeah. I'm going to look him up as well. Apologies for the typing. Richard Marquand. Richard Marquand died I at the his name earlier. age of 49. He was 18 days shy of his 50th birthday. And he died of a stroke. That is fucking horrible. Shall we discuss this film? <laughs> on that happy difference? note. <laughs> Cheesy note. Yes. Um, okay. Um, uh, okay, uh, Charlie. What, what again? I don't need word for word, but generally, what's in the crawl? Okay, so it's. Um, Charlie could remember has, it word for word if you wanted, but I don't think. Well, no, but I don't want to pressure he's got him. It all, he's got it all committed to it's, memory. It's kind of like Luke Skywalker's return to his home planet of Tatooine in attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the vile clutches, or from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Uh, and then little, little does Luke know that the Empire have been constructing a second battle station, um, much more powerful than the original Death Star. Um, once this station is operational, it will spell certain doom for the band of freedom fighters um, fighting or battling something to uh, restore freedom to the galaxy. Indeed. And then Star Destroyer. One point that is maybe um, people don't know and certainly would not probably wasn't noticed until the widescreen versions of this film came these films came out is that in the one of the opening shots you see the planet Endor because Endor or the, the, as what they call the moon of Endor where all the action takes place is it's the moon it's not the actual planet Endor it's the sanctuary moon of Endor that there's the if you, the shot of the beginning of the three star destroyers mm-hmm. um um, but in the background is a red planet, and that's the planet Endor. Isn't it the fourth moon of Endor? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've I seen widescreen versions and stuff, but I didn't actually know that either. Uh, so, I think the first thing that occurs to me when I watch this film now is it the very start of it does play like episode four Redux. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's, I, I'm guessing, an intentional kind of, kind of thing yeah. with the uh, with the, the, the below shot of the uh, the side story going above i always one one thing that i always did as a kid and i still kind of do is um identified the films by the spaceships that were in them or the ones that were introduced um so it was always like a new hope was always the um the X-Wing, because of Luke and all that thing. Of course, the yeah. Empire Strikes Back was always the Millennium Falcon. And this was always the Imperial Shuttle. Yes, thinking about it, when it lands on the forest moon of Endor. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that so, shot's fairly iconic, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's such a distinctive design. To be, I think it's a wonderful design, oh, actually. It's, it's amazing. And kind of like those shots of it. And the way it folds his wings out as it comes down from the Star Destroyer, and then you have the two TIE fighters going behind, it's just, yeah, it's just a really great opening. Now, I'm not going to be wildly critical of this film, I don't think. It's got a couple of fairly major flaws, though. Um, And one of them, for me, and it affects the overall film, in that I feel a bit like I do about episode one, that I actually wonder if there was actually enough plot there. 
because the whole of the first act is getting Darth uh, Solo back. Yeah. And it's way too fucking long. And it and yeah. it's made <laughs> worse. And it's made... When you look at the structure of the film, uh, a whole third of it is literally undoing a couple of minutes at the end of the last film. Not only is it far, far too long and feels like an awful lot of busy work... But as Act 1s go, it's too long too, because three-act films, Act 1 is very rarely a, you know, a third of the film, and yet they're on Jabba's, well, Jabba's palace and Jabba's planet, if you like Tatooine, for, I wish I'd remembered to do a time check, but I seem to remember it's about, it's about 33 40, minutes. It's 40, I thought it was about 40 minutes, but either okay. way, it's too long. Yeah. It is yeah, way, absolutely. way too long. Now, all of the constituent parts are fine, with the exception of the shitty CG from the re- reimagining. Mm-hmm. The re- the special That's awful, edition. it really breaks. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, who has it? <laughs> Sorry, that's Yeah, that's basically what he sounds like. That it's, is pretty much what he sounds bad, like. Who has it? In general, it's too long. I mean, yeah, I mean, to my state, I'm entitled to agree with you. Um, I mean, it's it, it, it's something I actually only really sort of thought this viewing, weirdly enough, out, out of all the times, and now I had a problem before. But um, this time I was thinking, yeah, this bit is a bit, does a bit drag it out. Um, but I, I guess, in, in a way, I, I, I kind of see it as a way of, right, we've been told about Jabba for, like, two films. He's never been on screen originally. I know, that's why the special edition damages this film so badly. So it's kind of had that big build-up and kind of like, oh, he, and he actually have some sort of meeting. And plus also it builds up the anticipation because I think a lot of it is kind of like a reintroduction of the cast. So you have like R2, R2 and C-3PO. And then and then you have like Leia come in and then, then you have Luke come in and, and it's like the reveal of Luke as an actual Jedi as well. The reveal of Luke, I like a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's very kind of samurai. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of don't mind the chicken shit droid because I mean the, the whole thing is they roll up to this place, knock on the door, and he wants to walk away instantly. But the thing is, that door is kind of imposing. I, 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 I don't see... think they're going to let us in, R two. Let's... let's go. Yeah, and I, I kind of like all that, but. What I thought was going to be like 10 to 15 minutes at the start of the film goes on for like getting on for three quarters of an hour. Yeah. And it's there's almost not like a plot be, for that. It should be like a Bond film, like a pre, almost like a pre-title um, sequence. Yeah, they that bit where they fly away from like the exploding, you know, Jabba's ship. Yeah. That in Bond, that should transition into the title sequence. Yeah. Pretty long title sequence though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it should be a lot. I know, shorter. I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's... that should be a little pre-story. Even if you made it as long as the world is not enough, or something, yeah. that would be half the length of this. One thing about this film, though, um, and again, this is going back to nostalgia and kind of stuff I saw on TV as well about it, is the sheer amount of uh, creatures in the film, which I, I love. Um, I suppose it's the first time we've had that since the Cantina. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right, Becca. I mean, the, I like it. How can I put this? I like that Jabba's palace exists. I like that Jabba exists. I prefer that we waited two films to see him. 
I like all of this, and, and even the sort of visual of Solo frozen on the wall. I, I love all of it. I think this is potentially brilliant, but it shouldn't be an act one. It should be like a prologue. I, I, yeah. I, I, like, I like the atmosphere of it. I like how like it's almost like kind of intimidating and how it's they're kind of like annoying to go there. Like Everyone's just kind of like... Like sucking up to Jabba by like sort of laughing at like, laughing whenever he sort of like, makes a point, and then he points at Solo, and everyone's going, <laughs> everyone's got kind of like la- like laughing with him. It's almost kind of like an- annoying and a little bit disturbing and intimidating at the same time. It you know like I kind of I, you know I, I like that though. I do do it is a bit hard. How Jabba's palace is basically one big sleeping parlor. Like everyone <laughs> yes. would just, <laughs> just like just sort of stays there, stays the night. It's like a lock-in. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's like a big sleepover. It's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of that was Jabba couldn't move, obviously, and he, No, but it's like that that everyone else is there, just like yeah, just keep it. <laughs> just, just going back to what you said about the yeah about the um the frozen handset or the wall, uh, which is a great little scene. And one thing I noticed for the first time ever when I watched it today um, is there's a trophy head of a torn torn on the left hand side. No, I didn't. Oh dear. That. On the wall, <laughs> and it weird. just cracked, it cracked me up today. I thought that's brilliant. I've never ever seen that. A, a, a what? Thought, a trophy head of what? A, a torn You know the things wow, from oh, right. the thing they ride on Hoth. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was brilliant, and it was wonderful that I can still see these films and still notice these things. I'll be perfectly honest as well. Is I watched the despecialized edition yeah. of the film. I have um, seen them. Um, I did have them, but I forget them quite easily because a the films are the same in their broad strokes, and also you tend to remember the big things that like pissed you off. In the you know, there's little shots you go, oh thank God that's not full of shit now. I genuinely cannot remember the original music at Jabba's Palace. I can't. It's a lot funkier. I, I just it, it remember Jedi Rocks, it. which I was is that now and was like, awful. Mm, that's not the well, same. I mean, I, mean the, I think the idea of, of kind of having it is a bit, again, it just slows down slows down that whole sequence and, again, just adds um, minutes that are needed elsewhere. But um, the way the original one goes is um, it cuts from whatever the, the scene is before um, and it, it to them in kind of like mid performance yeah there's no like I'll play it again and then they kind of like do a big oh I you mean there's a big it's like a fucking show tune in the new yeah exactly and they get this you get the other guy there the Yuzum thingy which is in the original film but he's like just a puppet against the wall and just make it some kind of big thing where um yeah, before it was just, it's a band, they're playing here, it's not a show tune. And I know apparently that was George Lucas's original idea, was he thought it'd be funny to have this big musical sequence. And it's like, no, sorry, sorry. I, I mean, I don't think the music in itself is particularly bad, it's, it's whatever. Um, and um, and I think the guy who wrote it, because it wasn't written by John more than anything. It's just like, yeah. it's so in your face and so like, oh, for God's sake. Because it wasn't it's, written it's by really John It's jarring Lee. with the scene. Um, it was written by this guy called Jerry Hay, who's won like Emmys and 
Grammys or stuff or whatever. You, yeah, Grammys. Um, but it's also the yeah the kind of the weird little stuff like Boba Fett chatting up the uh, one of the dancers and things like that. And it's just like why, why, why? Yeah. But yeah, so the the original way it was done, where it was just like a matter of fact thing. Yeah, because the the song in the original one it's called Lapty Neck and um. I remember the name, but I just can't remember what it sounds like. Um, or is that no? That's Jedi Rocks. That's Je- I was going to say that's familiar. Yeah, yeah, I remember it being a lot funkier. And that was the music was written by John Williams, and I think the lyrics were written by his son Joseph, who was in Toto. Right. Fun fact, folks. Sorry, have I ruined your fun facts? No, not at all. I don't even have that as a fun fact because I thought, oh, Charlie's going to mention it. So. Good. <laughs> but plus, um, I, plus I knew it anyway. <laughs> also, the puppetry was really good. Hang on, I think I think I might have found it on Spotify. Is it uh, Lapsy Neck? Oh. Is that is that the right one? Yeah. Yes. Okay, that doesn't sound like much like it. I'll let, I'll let it play. Original, original film recording is okay. That's not looking like it. Well, bits of that are still in the film. Yeah, the, the actual film recording has never been released on the soundtrack. Hang on, hang on, let me turn off. So it's always been like a, no, a that's, different that's version. Still, um, yeah, that's still in the film. I think. Does it continue? Does it continue after the the, the rancor? Uh, not in the current version. No. But I remember liking it much more. It's much more kind of like a funkier oh. kind of kind of sound, really. Not as overblown. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the general point, when you think about the plot points that are communicated by this whole sequence, it's just we finally see Jabba. We finally find out where Han went after, like, Bespin. Um, we get teased that Luke possibly could be uh, having turned to the dark side because he's in black and when we first see him he's talking about have these droids um, and that's more or less it that, that that's all there really is in this whole uh, act of the film yeah um, and that's why I'm a bit pissed off it takes as long as it does now as much as I still like the film and I, I actually like like I said I like that Jabba's in this and, and I like the designs around his palace. I like all of it. It's just a bit too long, that's all. It's not communicating that much. It's just an undo of the last film. Yeah, and some of the stuff it does communicate is too obvious. Like the shot of after he agrees that Princess Leia in disguise can have 35,000 or whatever, um, the Chewbacca's taken off, and then Lando pops up, and he pulls his helmet down. I know. And you're just thinking, why? <laughs> it's like George. It's just tell the audience, himself. like, yes, it's me. Well, yeah. you know, whenever we question whether these films are aimed at children or whatever, it's like, um, yeah. Um, this kind of does actually prove George's point that it's like, well, that's probably like just to make sure people don't get lost. Yeah, the whole, so the, him her bringing in Chewbacca and kind of that kind of thing. 
Um, is it? See, this, this is the thing. Is it like? Is there only ever one Wookiee? <laughs> do they do, do they not go off planet? Uh, well, I don't know to be honest with you. Because it could have been, it, she could have just infiltrated in that outfit, and he could have um, dressed, shaved himself. The only just, question, the only question was, or is, is what's the actual plan? Because she actually sets out to free Han. So she frees Han, and then I, I suppose she um, has to, her and Han have to go and break um, Chewie and the droids, and like Luke's like Plan B, you know, or you know, if you, if you know what I mean, or is it, it kind of, it's kind of set up as it's, if like getting caught is all part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. Cons- considering, and and this is it's slightly from a deleted scene, but it doesn't matter anyway because it's still true that Luke sends his lightsaber with R two. Mm. Actually, there is a, yeah. There's a deleted scene where he he he, yeah. he, he gets with R two and actually gets the lightsaber out, and because he's all in black and with the hood up, he gets with him and gets yeah. That's filth. Sorry. Um, yeah, he gets out. He gets out his cock and fucks R two. That's not what I meant, honestly. Um, he gets yeah. He gets hold of the lightsaber. There. Did R two make a noise? Go. Yeah. Exactly. Chris, that was quite erotic, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's this deleted scene, it's on the Blu-ray, and it was when they went to celebration and announced the Blu-rays, they did it with that deleted scene. But you, mm. you are supposed to think Luke may have turned to the dark side. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's interesting as well that um, the main reason for his lightsaber being green in this one is because the the blue didn't work particularly well against the uh, the the sky in the the Jabba's uh, in the, the actual final rescue sequence. I think there may even that may even have been blue in the teaser. I'm not sure. It was, yeah. The one I the one I sent you today. Um, I watched the start of it just to get excited about it being called Revenge of the Jedi and then yeah. get through it because like someone called me or something. <laughs> uh, so I didn't see the salient bit, which is I'm sure there was a blue yeah. lightsaber at some point. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, um, but it's um, and then there's the Rancor. Um, Epic Rancor, which is really yeah, which is just a really fun idea. It's like okay, I've got, I've got this monster underneath that. Uh, it, it's basically it. just a big, a big, big pit with that's basically like a stomach that just digests you, which is like kind of like a horrible idea. You're thinking of the Sarlacc. We're not there yet. Yeah, the you know, the the big monster. Oh under. shit! Yeah, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. Yes, you're, you're, we're, we're thinking of when Luke gets there and he and he stood on the trap door and he's dropped in with that monster. Yeah, mm. that's the um, rancor. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Another um, n- n- thing I pointed out in this special edition, you know, when um, you, uh, Jabba drops the first slave in, yeah, there, there's actually like additional sort of shot of a kind of like flinching, like yeah. Whereas yeah, in the original, you just like kind of like you just wonder what the hell, what's hell's gone on, what she's dropped into, and what what hell's going on. Which they I shot prefer. That Fifteen like years later, the a bit more mystery. Not changed. The actress hadn't changed at all. It's the same actress. Yeah, yeah. fifteen years later. Yeah, you wouldn't know, would you? Well, no. they did. I don't think they digitally remove the uh, the boob that pops out when uh, when he when she starts grabbing the chain. Oh, that's a shame. And she grabs that boob. <laughs> oh no, I don't want to see boobs. That's disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, yeah, so, and, and it's, it's a. I think we don't want to get into this thing yet. The uh, positive and negative. I think if if I am going to kind of go with stuff that has been tampered with, I think one of the best things that they did eventually. Um, I think they only they only did it in when they released the DVD in two thousand four. Was they sorted out the matte lines on the Rancor puppet? Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's better. Much better, yeah. Because um, I mean, what they did still was really amazing, and the the, the puppetry, the fact that the fact that that's a puppet is just that's again why I love these films and this era. And you had this, and then you had. Um, I think it was maybe a year or so before it was a dragon slayer as well. Oh yeah. And the, the puppet in there, the, the dragon, um, and just this amazing, amazing work. Um, and, uh, and it's a fun sequence. It is a fun sequence. It's, it's kind of like, you know, cause Luke's meant to be like this again. master Jedi. Um, but he kind of like, he's kind of like back to being old Luke, having to think on his feet. Uh, Though part of me thinks, why didn't he use the force to, use, to to move the rock if he's that good? But I guess I'm, I'm nitpicking with that though. <laughs> Again, it's it's how much we're kind of we're um, we don't really projecting. know where Luke is at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and it was never, and we're kind of used to when when we've seen the prequels. Um, Definitely, he's kind of doing all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, um, too much whereas, really. They yeah. could do them in the original film, but you always got the impression that it took effort and mm. real concentration. Mm. If you were under stress in that situation, you can't just mentally chuck stuff at people. Yeah. All the way through this trilogy, I mean, less so Vader, but Vader is like all fucking knowing and all powerful to us as a viewer at the end of like Empire, for example. But all the way through, when they move stuff, they really have to fucking concentrate. Even Yoda. Yeah. Um, you know, even Yoda, he, he moves the ship, but, like, everything is shot out while he concentrates on that. Uh, so it's perfectly understandable that in the middle of battle, Luke can't just chuck stuff at him. Plus, it, it does kind of... You kind of have to save yourself for that moment where Luke gets the lightsaber... Um, yeah. When 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 uh, you know at, at that final bit, because that's the only bit that that's that's the bit where you actually see Luke as an actual proper Jedi Jedi Knight, and it's probably the first time we've actually seen uh, a Jedi Knight uh, at you know, at his peak, pretty much in the series. So it's it is kind of like a big moment. So you don't want it sort of kind of like spondered on. Uh, like a, a quick moment, you know. It's like it's a good sequence. The one things I do, I did, I did really like though. And again, it's like one of those little moments that it, it's insignificant. It doesn't actually need to be in there, but it just adds to it. It's just the fact that the Wrangle has an owner that it just really cares about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it like it, it didn't need to be in the film at all, but it's just like a re- again a really nice touch. But it's just like oh, that was someone's pet. <laughs> like, and, and the fact that he was like Ronnie Barker as well. He was in well. Never Again. Yeah. And he was also in the first series of The Blackadder. And the last episode as the um, like rather criminal um, friar. Mm. <laughs> We've got you a job in the, news, in the next Star Wars film. Yes, what's it going to be? Oh, well, 
What you yeah. have to do is you have to put this leather hat on. <laughs> and look um, sad. <laughs> topless and cry. But it's the fact that he cries and then the other guy comes along and, and, um, and kind of consoles him. <laughs> it's just hilarious. But again, it's it's something that like always sort of it's one of those moments like the stuff the Ewoks, I it, it it sticks to my mind all the time. Yeah. And then they do get to the Sarlacc. Um. And. Uh, yeah. But again, again, I, I like I like uh, instant chemistry between the three leads, like Hart with like Han, Leah, and Luke. Hmm. And, and yeah, and, and and one of the things that I really appreciate in this viewing is um, actually acknowledging Han's perspective because you re- you realise what watching the, these this Battle of Empire that Han has no idea what what like what's gone on. Like, look, all he knew is last time he was getting frozen carbonite. He's just you know. He, he just realised he's in love with uh, Leia. Um, he literally has been out of it, hasn't it? For, yeah, for and he's like, pretty much. like, Luke was just some random, like, kid. Well, not random kid, but you know what I mean? He's like, you know, Luke's Luke, you know. He's, like, he's not expecting to be, like, this Jedi Master, so we don't know, like, how... Uh... So, yeah, so Han's not really sort of actually sort of know what's going on. He can kind of see that in a, in a relationship how we're, like, he's, where he's suspicious of, like, has something gone on between... Luke and you, like between uh, Leo and Luke, just, you know, he's a little bit suspicious, not actually knowing what might have happened since he's been frozen. So it's, it's the first, so this view is the first time I actually really appreciated that aspect of it. it. Was like kind of like, oh yeah, of course he would be, kind of like going through all kinds of shit in his head, thinking like, what the hell's going on? What's happened since I've been frozen? Like what, you know, Luke's all changed now. That's just crazy. Like <laughs> Luke's a Jedi. <laughs> No, you know. So there's that element to it as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the stuff of the Sarlacc pit with the CGI stuff just felt very unnecessary. Like it doesn't make sense. The fact that you got this big sort of like beat come out because I've always envisioned that it was just like a big sort of bottomless pit. Like I know it. It did ruin it. I mean, there's there's two things when I think about. Um, the changes in in all of these films. There's like the idea in the execution. Now, a lot of the time it's just the execution that it's now 20 years old Um, and it looks rubbery and lacking in detail and overly shiny and you go, yeah, you've, you've dated the film unnecessarily with that. But sometimes it really does ruin like the original intention. Mm. Um, and when I look at the Sarlacc, you're absolutely right, Chris. I like the idea that it's this, this indeterminate something, and it's like it, it all leads to this little pit that you slide down into. So there's an element of like there's nothing to grab onto, you're falling to your fate. There's some teeth in it, effectively, anyway. So that was already its fucking mouth. You didn't need something coming out of it. And I liked that. I liked the mystery of it, that there's something down there you don't even want to know about, that it's going to keep you alive and digest you over a thousand years. Mm. That's incredible as a concept. But there's also the execution, that not only did they um, have this head coming out, that was very like the thing they were in the stomach of in The Empire Strikes Back. 
but it looks shit as well. <laughs> it looks it looks this w- really weird low res kind of vaguely pinky purple thing. Yeah, it's kind um, of like like third rate Harryhausen model, really. Uh, well, yeah, I, I I kind of agree, Becca. I think where I would the only bit I would disagree on that is that that isn't my only problem that with Harryhausen um, with Harryhausen the, the problem is purely like lack of money most of the time yeah no, and I, I appreciate that for sure it's like as if you but, know they tried to get somebody who you know did equally well but couldn't recreate the same effect I, I, think yeah, problem, I appreciate obviously time it, money it, it's two things isn't it I mean it's that but it, it yeah. is the execution but it's also the fact that that is fundamentally a bad idea. The pit was so f- much fine as it was. Concur. It sucks. Um, <laughs> no, it like one it. Of the wor- it's one of the worst changes in the series for me. Yeah. I mean, it has no real impact for me in terms of like story or anything like that. So at least on that side of thing, yeah. But it, like you say, it looks horrible. But also, it feeds into this idea um, of Lucas using Star Wars and going from the special editions into the prequels as a test bed for what ILM can do, um, I, I rather think, than I any <clears throat> storytelling. You're right, because when I look at um, Star Wars over the years, he, he keeps telling us, it wasn't finished, it was abandoned. And you think, well, if it wasn't finished and it was an abandoned and you own it and you've got all the time in the world to do what you want with it, then why is there more than one special edition? Why is it not, well, actually, this yeah. is my vision, there you go. It's constant fucking tinkering. And it gets to the point that you go, actually, you've got no vision at all. You're watching it with fresh eyes every time and going, oh, I could just do that. And, oh, I could just do this. And you think, well, that, that's not a vision. That That's somebody nitpicking yeah. and, see, and seeing pound signs as well, dollar signs in this I mean, case. Did you, did you, how much, I don't know how much you kind of noticed on the special edition of this one. Um, presum, presumably you watched the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, yeah, the current Blu-ray, Charlie. The, the stupid door. The the fact that he that they that they expanded the size of Jabba's door. Sorry, wh- where are we talking about, Charlie? What, the, the 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 massive door to Jabba's palace. Oh yeah 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 yeah, they made that bigger. Yes, I, re- I do remember. And then kind of pan and the in. reason I sounded the reason I sounded clueless and then suddenly clued in is I remember reading that at the time the Blu-rays came out, that they were changing that. And I'm so used to the Blu-ray now, I'd forgotten that was a change. Yeah, they've made it miles bigger for no reason at all. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting as well, um, again, going back to Lucas and what he was doing with his kind of almost consolidating his technological stuff at the time. Because um, at this point, they, they were finishing, or they were still doing um, Skywalker Ranch. So, um, because one of the things that happened Which was... Which is probably that, best known as, like, an editing, an editing suite now. Yeah, and Marshall Lucas fell in love with the... or had an affair with the guy who was building a skylight or something in there. Um, <laughs> supposedly, allegedly. Um, but, um, 
one of one of the things that that happened with Return of the Jedi as well is it was edited on Laserdisc with Edit Droid, which was something which was like one of the first or the first non-linear. I've never heard of it. Digital editing tool. So again, you've got these all this stuff that Lucas is building, and understandably so, he's building it as a consolidation for his company. And especially th- especially if he's thinking then, this is going to be the last of the Star Wars films. This is my last cash cow. Little did he know. Then I'm going to have to kind of look at the way all this money is invested. I think that's where you, they talk about kidifying and the way you had millions and millions of Ewoks, like Ewok um, dolls and stuff um, um, and what have you. And the, the cartoon series, the things like that, that, that people kind of say it as a more accusationary um, yeah. statement than uh, than I generally do. Although saying that, currently we have, at the moment, me and my wife, about four or five Porgs. Um, the films are not even out yet. And uh, the, for anyone think the Porgs are the, uh, the little kind of, the kind of a cross between an otter and a bird, a puffin. But I was um, going to say with a hint of puffin. Yeah, yeah in the, puffin in, in the Last Jedi, that apparently live on Luke Skywalker's island. But do they, yes. they all talk to each other, or are they like um? Well, we don't know talk to each other. Why would you have so many? Because they're just so cute. Oh, okay. <laughs> How would you feel this turned out to be a new Jar Jar? <laughs> I really um, hope it's I'm, not a new Jar Jar. I'm fairly confident they won't. I'm fairly confident too, but he's right. There's I think they won't make that mistake again. They'll be fucking yeah. awful, and you go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I have a lot of faith in, in Ryan Johnson. I do too. Yeah, so it's kind of easy to see why people throw those accusations at, um, or those statements at Lucas at the time. <coughs> Excuse me, and then further on with what happened with the special editions and the pre. And again, this is is still CG, still relatively in its high profile infancy, because the special editions were ninety seven. The uh, so what you got Jurassic Park in ninety three, Terminator two in ninety one, The Abyss in eighty nine. But even then, they were they were very sort of specific shots and, and yeah. stuff. I guess the big leap forward might well have been Independence Day. Yeah. But even then, I, I, I could be proven wrong, and that's a load of model work. Actually, I think that I, I tend to think, think the real the real step forward was after the special editions, and it probably was Jar Jar. Yeah, the, the whole digital character thing. Yeah, um, but hey, we're, we're guessing and we're half remembering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. um, and then so I I love um, the moment. Where Luke is pushed on, pushed onto the thing, and he does his, or he does his little signal. Um, but the way it moves around with the music as well, the kind of these kind of big kind of string movements, like, edits between characters, doom, doom, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's actually really tense. I, I quite like it. I, mm. I like my. The, the funny thing about the whole Jabba's Palace, and by Jabba's Palace, I mean everything until they leave the planet. Um, in the individual bits, I like all of it. I just think it takes up too much of the film and actually starts that whole thing that we see with the prequels, that was there actually enough story here? 
Or did you just pad it as much as you could? Yeah, it, could, it probably could have been a bit tighter. Yes. Um, but I, I, I guess if I was, if I was defending it, I would say it just sort of it builds tension. It built, you know, it builds up to the the big moment where Luke just goes in full Jedi mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a really nice moment, really kind of tense, where um, Luke is about to walk the plank and he does his little signal to R two D two, and kind of there's these big kind of like, um, just kind of like string blasts as it as as it cuts to the different people, Lando and Leia. And stuff just all around, and Han Solo looking confused. <clears throat> and then he jumps off the plank and does a somersault while R2 launches the uh, lightsaber up into the air uh, so he can catch it, which is a great moment, especially, especially when all that all that leads up to it, showing that it's green, that it's a new lightsaber, his its own lightsaber, um, is just a really nice moment. Yeah, we not. Uh, it's easy to not realise this at the moment, even if you watch them in the right order, that there were no green lightsabers before this. Yeah. So you could look at it now and go, what does that mean? Because we're used to, like, Darth's is red. Now, as much as we might think that's, like, evil, I don't know that we'd heard the term Seth Sith at this point, but certainly you could look at it and go, well, red is evil. But even then, you'd go, well, maybe, maybe that's just the colour one he's got. We don't know, because the sample size is one. And then you've got Luke with a blue one, and you go, well, is that good, or does, is that just the one he's got? And then, of course, in this film, he switches it on, and it's green, and it'd be like, what does that mean? Because he's wearing black. Yeah. So it's like, well, I think we can gather quite quickly by his behaviour, he's not evil. But in the moment, you could imagine just going, what, does that mean something? I, I think, to be honest, I think given the time, I think you're, I think you're thinking about the prequels in context of this, whereas, whereas at the time, I mean, we hadn't actually seen what a Jedi actually looks like. We only really know what Darth Vader looks like. No, what, what, no Chris, I'm, saying, I'm actually saying quite the opposite. I'm saying that... When if you took the prequels into your mind, you would go, "Well, the evil guys have red, yeah, and the good guys have blue or green." I'm actually saying we didn't know this at this point. So when he switches on his lightsaber and it's green, what does that mean? Yeah, is it just they come in loads of color and we different colors and we've now seen three? Yeah, here's a third one, and um, you may or depending on how much you think about Phil or how it takes you at the time you might be sat in a cinema watching this and it doesn't occur to you or it might literally be you don't know um but this fight sequence is all right it, it's I, I think there's two things to note two or three things to know note about it um firstly Leia in the gold bikini and i don't mean what i mean she, she looks like a slave and and that's actually yeah. quite tough when you take the sort of sex appeal aspect out of it. Um, secondly, um, the way Boba Fett goes out now, like so, you know, a bit of a Star Wars hero, and he's beaten quite easily here. <laughs> Doesn't the Sark even burp as well? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yes, there's also an element where Luke goes to kick someone and and does and just kicks thin air, but he spins back anyway. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you see Princess Leia killing Jabba. That's pretty awesome. Um, and I like that. I like to do that with, with the you, chains with, as well. With the pretty chain, badass. yeah. It's nice to, to kind of, yeah, again, give her something pretty badass to do. Mm. Yeah, I think it's all pretty well-rounded. Plus, also, you've got, like, hands still blind, so he's still kind of like, what, 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 what's going on? And, like, and then you got, like, um, uh, Lando kind of, like... Sorry? Well, he goes to fire a gun, doesn't he? Certainly in one yeah. of the parts where it's like, I thought you were blind. Yeah, well, this is... Yeah, actually, the, the, the thing is, I mean... It's kind of it kind of happened previously when the original films were released with like seventy millimeter versions of stuff where some of the takes or some of the dialogue was slightly different. Um, but they, they they did change some of the actual dialogue um, for the special editions. Um, so yeah, so the, the um, Lando's got his got the, the Sarlacc's um, tentacle wrapped round his his foot, um, and then hands like. Wait, Lando, and he said, "I thought you were blind." In the original one, he just says, "Trust me." But in the uh, in the, the special edition, he says, "It's all right. I can see a lot better." I I, I prefer the original because I, I in, in my oh, mind, in my original interpretation of when I grew up watching, it was kind of like I always imagined it, it was like um, he wasn't like blind blind. You know, he could kind of like see. Like vague shapes, but he, you know, we couldn't. He couldn't generally like sort of see clearly. So here he was kind of like taking like a guess, almost like from like an act of faith of like, oh, I can kind of see, uh, almost from instructions like what left, right, okay, kind of thing. And I preferred that kind of like that aspect of it rather than like, oh, I can see, <laughs> you know. I don't massively have a preference if I'm honest. Um... Yeah, yeah. It all of this is is okay though. It, it's all right. It's shot okay. The Sarlacc's really scary because if you if you trip and lose your balance, you're dead. But you're not just dead. You're dead slowly and painfully. Mm. So I like right. that. And of course, when it's just a beak sticking up, well, if you don't fall straight in the beak, what does that mean? <laughs> so it's you're in some kind of alien limbo. I don't know. Ah, fuck knows. I guess you're just all right. You stood next to this weird thing. I don't, I don't like it as it is now, particularly. But I, I do like the fact that again, it's got that element of figure it out as you go along. And I like how, I like how flippant Jabber is before he, you know, he gives a sentence. He's like, you know, Luke is like calm all that time. Time he's like, free us or die. <laughs> he is a, he is a brilliant character. Maybe, maybe because I don't know that people tend to see him more. More of as a special effect than maybe something like Yoda. Um, he's, very, he's very kind of uh, un, I was going to say underrated. I think it's it's just because yeah because he's more he's gone from being like a puppet type character to a CGI character. Um, as if people maybe tend to overlook you know yeah, yeah the certain aspects of his character. Yeah, um, rather wrongly in, in favor of of how he appears. Luckily, they didn't touch him in Jedi. No, um, that did surprise me actually. It surprised me they didn't. That was all. Yeah, because he figured he, he, you know, he messed with everything else. Um, yeah, it's not as um, expressive as the Yoda puppet, so I could almost understand replacing Jabba before I could Yoda. But I'm still glad they did neither in the original yeah. films because it still hands up perfectly. It's just a brilliant, brilliant um, puppet. 
and then um, just that that tangibility to it really helps when it's gross. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I look at Yoda, for all its flaws, positives, and everything else, I can at least look at the CG version and go, well, actually, his eyes are more alive there. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying there's an argument there that you can go, well, actually, that's way more interactive because its eyes are more responsive. When I look at Jabba, there is an argument for the CG version, um, and I could make that argument certainly. But I look at it, and you can imagine this thing fucking stinks. I mean, like yeah. physically smells, and that's not there with the CG version. Yeah, I mean, you, you think, because uh, I remember, again, I, I remember um, there was, I think it's on the Blu-ray, but um, there was a documentary about it called Classic Creatures, um, which was on ITV back in the day. I may have um, seen this, go on. And it's, got, it's, it's hosted by... Billy D. Williams and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit cheesy, um, but basically what it is, it's all about the creatures of Return of the Jedi and the making of them all and um, and how that links back to things like King Kong and the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and things like that. All these it's real, Yeah, it's a real creature feature, isn't it? Yeah, older films. And there's, there's like scenes where they interact with all these puppets um, and they make cheesy lines and there's like shots of um, Ewoks and Darth Vader going to the um, Heathrow Airport and things like that, and being packed up to go over um, for a filming. But I just remember them, the fact that that how big this, I mean, the Jabba puppet is. The fact that it's got three people in it, it's got two. It's two, incredible, isn't it? Two normal people for the normal people. That's really, really bad. Um, <laughs> Two people operating bigots. one part of it, and then one person operating the other part of and, it. Yeah, and and then in the in the tail is um, a dwarf. Short actor. Yes. Um, yeah, moving the tail, and um, yeah. So and it's and it's just amazingly done. But it's just watching them sculpt and cast this puppet. I mean, the, the eyes themselves were like a foot across. Um, so it really is giant, which is why it was so stupid when they re, when they redid it in New Hope. Um, A New Hope because of all this giant mass of what he is um, and putting it down so he could walk around with uh, with Han. And uh, but it's, yeah, so just just and again, one of the things that always keys me on to when whether something is real, certainly with CG, is weight. Yeah, that's very true. You, particularly if you look at something like the Spider-Man films. Yeah, it, it, they either get that kind of sense of heft, or they don't. Yeah, and again, in, in certainly in the Phantom Menace, that a lot of kind of like the, the gun guns and some of the, the digital creatures. Um, they, they don't necessarily have a weight behind them that makes they look kind of like like cartoons. They're quite flimsy, don't they? They're too light, yeah, and too floppy. Yeah, really? I know. I, I, to be honest, I just you know in terms of like Jabba moving as well, I just prefer the idea that he actually just doesn't move. He's just like a big. He's just a big slob of disgusting mass that just sits there. Yeah, and you're right, he, he, he doesn't move because he doesn't need to because he's just like, yeah, just bring it for me. I'm like, it's yeah, just, yeah. It, it just adds to the yeah, grotesqueness of, of him as a character. You know, yeah. 
rather than him just like the sort of like moon around like general slope. It's just like no, nah, fucking you won't move. Although, was, although it's um, funny to see Greedo in the background wearing exactly the same outfit that he did. It's the first time. Didn't Wars. you die? Like, <laughs> it's like, is that just all all his race ever ever wears? Is the the green jumpsuit with the orange vest? So is that, is that it's actually part of the uh, part of his body? They're all naked. They don't wear clothes. <laughs> we meet the emperor again, but it's a diff. The emperor's kind of different. Um, yeah, played by a bit different this time around. Ian McDermott. Is that how you pronounce his name? Ian McDermott. Yeah, he's, he's really good, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He hams it up. I actually big time. quite like him in this. I know it's a bit of a kind of cover over, but I actually quite like him. I think he's terrifying. Oh, he's yeah, he's. He's really well. He's he's evil. Well, no, he he really really is. It's just his whole appearance is creepy, um, and I, I kind of I think that he kind of brings a, a new depth of evil like to the villain as well. It's kind of as a kind of I don't know intonation in his voice. I just think it's utterly terrifying. Uh, well, and he and he starts to um, it, it as well adds to the story of Vader. Yeah. Where you see the power that he holds over over Vader. Yeah, there is there is some element of, of you know deep down there is some element of good left inside and he's kind of like well actually no you must you know basically like heal pretty much. Just talk about to, um, to Jabba as well. I just want to say that he, I really miss that level of. I mean, I'm, I'm not a very technical person. I've got no background into kind of like you know making monsters or anything like that in the movies. But I just I love that That's fantastic what we back the, amount, so. <laughs> the amount of time and effort. I know, but I, I don't know why I'm so why I have so, you know I'm so interested in it. Um, it's it's bizarre. I don't know why, but I just think it's really interesting. You don't see that anymore. It's all CGI. I mean, and you, you've got things like, um, like I Love Dogs coming out, and um, I and Mr. Fox. You know, we don't see those sort of films anymore, and it's really sad. It is, but you you can't conflate the two. In the, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's not the same. But I just I just no, think no. it's amazing that you know. What I mean, I'm CGI is amazing. Amazing. So much you know can be done with CGI, not, and the amazing thing that can be done with oh, special effects these days. Stop. Seriously, you don't have to like fucking defend everything you've just slagged <laughs> off. It's okay. You're allowed not to like stuff. Honestly, <laughs> it isn't whether CG or puppetry is better or worse. You can miss stop motion animation and films like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, and I just think so it's really sad that you should And without necessarily um, slagging the fact that the world just moves on, that yeah, if you could have done this in 1983 with CG and have him have a much more articulate really? mouth and eyes, it would look better. If you could do it properly, of course you could. The, the eyes are dead and the mouth barely moves. It goes straight and up and down in a straight line. The one thing it has that CG can't give us, though, is that tap or couldn't give us in this case, let's say, is that, like I say, I look at the fucking doll and I think, that must stink. I don't think CG could have done that at this time. Well, I say at this time. Certainly, when you get to like the prequels and stuff, the the CG standard at that point could give us that tangibility. Maybe you could now. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely got to a point now where it, it perhaps can. I mean, but again, it's kind of what everyone seems to think is is or always seems to be the best way is, is kind of like a marriage of the kind of the the, the I, I just tend to think my only word on it Charlie is that I tend to think 
I think it might have been Barry Norman who said this, not in so many words, but the gist of what he said was 70% of everything is rubbish. Mm. And and I think that's true with everything, that you look at puppetry and you think of like the best and most innovative examples. And the natural nostalgia of people and the tendency to look backwards is that they look at CG and pick up the most stupid and shit rubbery examples they can think of. And the fact is, most CG is competent. This days, these days, most CGs is actually very good, and a lot of puppetry is absolutely awful. Now, most of it in Star Wars isn't bad. Taken on its own merits, Jabba's not actually that good. He can't move; his eyes ain't very good, and his house, his mouth moves straight up and down. But it works for Jabba purely because he's he's vile, he's horrible, and this kind of gross and not very convincing puppet works for that. Yeah, yeah, because it's he, he works as as a character. I mean, it's it's still being done. Um, the Force Awakens had a load of kind of practical, and the, the yeah, I mean, Simon Peck's character was practical. Yeah, um, and you look at like, like Guillermo del Toro's films, where he puts a lot of effort. Into it really does. I mean, it looks amazing. Effects. Yeah, if you put enough time to anything, you can make anything look good. Yeah. They're I think it's fantastic. Just... One, thing, one thing his films generally don't do is make a lot of money. No, no they don't. They don't. Not, no. That's a shame. He, he, he is probably the ultimate example of what gets said about Zack Snyder, actually. The, he's better than Zack Snyder, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but he is literally purely a visual stylist. I don't think Guillermo del Toro is a very good storyteller at all, but his design work is outstanding. So we leave Jabba's palace. Where do we go from there? Well, they split up. I think we go straight to. Do we go to Yoda? You go to well, go, yeah. We see the Emperor. We meet the Emperor. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. And then, um, and then we go to. I have Yoda. foreseen it. Every, every, yeah, that was it. Everything is, is uh, everything is going as I foreseen it. Then do we go to? I got little impressions there. Then, then to Yoda. Yeah, and it's, again, well. again, it, going back to the puppetry sort of thing, it's a different puppet than than Empire. Is that to make him look a bit older then? I think so. Yeah, to make him look a bit ready to die. I, I don't even know if I'd ever noticed. No, I didn't. I feel almost like hypocritical in in a way because I love all these expositionally slow scenes and the way they're done, even though they kind of they kind of maybe objectively don't. Um, slow up the film perhaps um, but um, I just love the scene between Luke and Yoda and, uh, I like it just fine, it does feel like part of the fact it rhymes but it feels like a coda to the last film mm. it feels like okay well, what we know um, it's a scene for Yoda slash Obi-Wan to fill, to fill Luke into what we know Yeah, yeah I think it hurts the film standing alone yeah, so it's like basically going like, well, why didn't you tell me and all, all, all this kind of stuff? Um, and, he, and he gets told, uh, well, before Yoda dies, he, he tells him, like, you know, you, you know, there is another Skywalker. I mean, the, the, the bit when he says, is Darth Vader my father, um, is really interesting as well, because Yoda initially really completely ignores him and just turns away from him completely and says, like, rest thy need. Um, and it's really interesting when we think about our heroes and our mentors and the people you look up to. 
and kind of how this whole thing has come about um, with with Yoda and, and certainly with Obi Wan um, in the next scene and kind of like there has to this Luke has to really kind of go at him before he tells him the actual truth, um, which I thought was always really interesting. And yeah. in his eyes. It's yeah, it, it's like a lot of this film actually. It's okay, and it and it's kind of a little bit iconic because I remember Yoda dying. The certain point of view um, conversation does feel like the most desperate scrabbled retcon. <laughs> I did think that. Um, I, actually, you know, it's like well, I don't know. It depends how you look at it. Really, I've heard Lucas. I've heard Lucas say, "Well, actually, what he's what I was thinking was this," and he said that because. And he backtracks, doesn't he? He always tries to make it sound like he had it planned from the fucking outset, and no, he didn't. Rubbish. It, I don't. I mean, like, wouldn't that the too. natural dialogue be like, you know, it wouldn't it be just a bit too much too soon? Kind of, kind of thing. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that kind of like how yeah, that conversation would have gone? I would have believed him had he. I would have believed Lucas had he said to him, "You weren't ready for that. You weren't ready for that. I, I told you what you could stand." Yeah, which from a certain point of view you could argue is true, because he did <laughs> effectively die, and and Darth Vader took his place. You know, from a certain point of view, that's true. Yeah. Now I know that isn't strictly true, but I told you what you were ready for. Yeah. But no, it's this desperate scrabbling and it's fucking bollocks. Yeah, it's just it just seemed like well, it just seemed much sense to sort of like say well. Given the limited time we had, would you believe me if I told you, oh, by the way, you have Jedi powers, and uh, by the way, that big Darth Vader dude, um, he's your dad? No. Would you, would you, would you, would you go on like, fuck off? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I think that's, that's why they had to kind of not shoehorn it in, but just kind of like add that line, just because they wouldn't. Yeah, I think it's, anybody under ten watching that movie wouldn't wouldn't accept it. I think the gist of the conversation is fine. It's the fact that both character and creator in Lucas make it make it sound like it was planned from the um, start, and I, I just don't believe that. I really don't. Yeah, it could have been written better, really. That whole yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, we get checking out an Obi Wan. You have to just imagine like Alec Guinness just thinking, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> kind of. Right, what do you want me to say? Right, okay. <laughs> I'm amazed Alec Guinness came back for a sequel. He slagged off the. Home yeah, he, t- he took all of a day to film his scenes, didn't he? In and out. Well, he's only got like one scene shot. You know, he probably like... got. A, he probably got a fair payday from it. No, yeah, well, fair enough. He can do. He's Alec Guinness. And he did, he did get a, an Oscar nomination for the first one. Exactly. He deserves every accolade. And his, yeah. his, wig, his wig won Crofts for the second one. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, always, he always adds, adds a level of gravitas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He does. Which is kind of needed in that scene, especially when it goes on about Leia. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of um, brings it in a little bit, doesn't he? So. Yeah, I mean, again, though, it's, it's all... I don't mind it because... It, <clears throat> It kind of works there to support Luke and his journey to save Anakin, um, which I think, which is the heart of this story, um, at least this particular episode, um, and where you have his mentors and where you have Obi-Wan just, just saying he's gone. 
kill him. And uh, and but it's that's, I mean that's what I love about the film. And um, Luke still has some optimism. Why I hate this fucking shit in the prequels about attachment and letting things go because it's the opposite of what Luke does. Luke, the the, the heart of this film, um, which is why for me the, the pivotal film and in, in, scene in the film comes up kind of halfway through the film. But because uh, so, I think a lot of people probably, probably put it as at the end. But um, in, so in terms of Luke's kind of compassion for his father and his fight for his father and that attachment to not let him go. Yeah. Well, because cause he, cause he believes. He believes there's good in him. You know, he senses yeah. it. And, you know, yeah. he, he sees what un- underneath thought, you know, that there is a way in there. Yeah. And you, and you, th- you think... You, He's been told that this guy is that this guy is his father first by him, and then is told is has this confirmed, and you've got to think what that would do to him psychologically, to have someone that he has never really been talked about to him in a proper way, and who he's never met, and then suddenly he comes back into his life in this way. Yeah. So there's got to be like temptations, like no, I want my father back. I want my father. Well, you know, I win him over, yeah. and then I can my dad back. Yeah, I guess that might be actually be part of it. Yeah. Um, Bear so. in mind, he, he has never had a father figure around apart from Owen, and there's nothing in that relationship that made us feel like that was close and comfortable. No. Um, I, I'm sure he cared about Owen, but it was an awkward relationship with a taciturn guy. So, yeah, that kind of works really kind of well. Where, where do we go from there? Well, that's when he says, she's your sister. Oh, yeah. Um... Copped off with that bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a Kleenex I'll never get back. <laughs> and uh... Yeah, and the yeah to sort of like sort of you know, and he also it's also like a nice sort of way of like assessing his abilities as a Jedi, you know, like sort of, and, um, sort of. How much of, bad news can you handle at the moment? <laughs> um, yeah, sort of like yeah, you're uh, the for the force serves you well, but you know, you, but yeah, be careful could be used to serve the Emperor. Um, and then don't we go straight to uh, the Rebel? Yeah, yeah. Me with. One of the generals with the most fakest beard that I've ever seen. That that has like, I don't know. It, is it real? It can't be real. And if so, why? What? It does look a bit fake. I'm sure it was fake. But yeah, yeah but if, just, what what's the point but, in putting a fake beard on the guy? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was real. I don't know. I mean, oh, no, uh, ask Tom, Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy running around. He's had three of them. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, we get we we hear about the uh, the boffins. Many boffins died to bring them that information. Yeah, but yeah, we get told about like how the new Death Star. We get the get to hear about the plan and uh, how you know. Which again is a great puppet. Oh, um, which puppet? Admiral Akbar. Oh yeah, fantastic puppet. Yeah, just just the design. It's just it's just crazy. He looks great. It really looks great. Well, what's good about him is he's, he feels like an actual character as well. Yeah, he's tangible. You can touch him. Well, not you can't touch him, but you know what I mean. He's kind of he's there. 
He's a physical yeah, being. I, I, I think also you're, you, 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 he's one's got like two really huge quote, uh, quotes, like it's a trap and our laser beams can't repel power that magnitude or whatever he says. Um, but it's also, I think, I also think about that that side when that uh, when the big star destroyer get, gets destroyed. Mm, I love that. Kind that. Of like, he kind of leans forward. Yeah. That's very, very similar to Merry Christmas and E-Haw Sam Rainwright. In It's a Wonderful Life, the way Jimmy Stewart's head just drops. Just I think maybe like, that's what they were going for. I think so. <laughs> Do you think you're thinking It's a Wonderful Life with a weird, crazy It's alien? totally possible. He knows yeah. his films. True. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're jumping right ahead there. But yeah, they're, they're, they're about Akbar. We're jumping ahead to 1946. <laughs> <laughs> and Mon Mothra as well, who... Uh... Who's a bit of a milf in her, in her own way. In the, I don't fancy her, but I bet she's filth. <laughs> was she like... like d- filth, d- yes, she was, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> was she pure filth? Uh, no. Uh, no, was she like the leader, the the leader in the hierarchy of the rebe- of the rebellion? Was she the? We don't ever really know, but I think so. Yeah. Now, Charlie could probably ex- answer that from expanded universe, but going just on the films, we don't know. No, but she kind of seems like it because um, this is the moment where all the rebel fleet have got together. Yeah, and she's the one kind of. Introducing everyone. Um, it's interesting. It's, I mean, obviously she's in Rogue One, um, but she was, she's in um, Episode Three. Although they Recast cut, it. Recast, yeah. But yeah, she's in. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Episode Three and Rogue One have the same actress playing. Yeah, but they they cut a ton of scenes from Episode Three about the building of the rebellion and the starting off of that. So she's in, oh yes, yeah, so she's in a lot of cut scenes in there. Uh, it's because I'm so in love with you. <laughs> God. But love has made you blind? That's not quite. That scene exists for no reason at all when you look at the film. Just cuts over to it and they go, I love you, I love you. And then off to something else. Many oh, yeah. things in that film exist for no reason other than. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So Mon, Mon Mothma is a recast for episode three, and then the episode three actress is in Rogue One, mm. and does a really good job of being that character. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you don't, if you put them next to each other, they don't look alike. But when you see Rogue One, if you don't think about it, you might think, "Oh, they've CG'd her as well." Yeah. Oh, oh, she's aged quite well. She's not getting older. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, actually, if you go and look the characters up on the internet, they don't look that much alike at all. Yeah. But she obviously, like, embodies her enough that you just don't think about it. You think you must be the same person. And then they uh, hatch their plan. Yeah, and everyone, and everyone's a general. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, Lando's been there. <laughs> So, so was he was he general before rescuing Han, or was he like I, a general? I'm thinking more of Han. He wasn't part of the rebellion. He came back mm. to fucking shoot like Darth Vader's minions out of the way. Yeah, got a general fix it badge. Fought with them on Hoth for a bit. Got frozen, and now he's a general. Where, where did this happen? <laughs> well done for being captured. <laughs> I know. Still, general fix it for you too. 
you won't necessarily fix what you wanted to fix, but you'll do it for you. Yeah, so uh, Lando gets the uh, Falcon, and he, vol- and, he, and, he, and he volunteers himself to like go to Endor to destroy the the, the force field. And uh, they all volunteer. Chewie says, yeah, I'm fine. L- Leia says, yeah, I'll volunteer. And Luke turns up and goes, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. But then you see Luke's got an ulterior motive as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which... The ulterior motive is to get on the craft with them, fly close, and then start moaning immediately that he's damaging the mission. <laughs> you think, well, don't fucking go then. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, I didn't realise we'd be on the ship. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. The fact that we're flying towards the Empire in an Empire craft, I'm like, oh shit, the Empire's there. Oh shit, Vader might be actually be on it. Fuck. <laughs> Don't say. It's interesting you get the little scenes um, interspersed with Vader and the Emperor where they're not completely on the same level as each other. And, like, there's the one scene where, um, I think it is after that scene where he says, my son is with them. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and Lando and Thor. My son is with them. And he goes, are you sure? I have felt him. <laughs> um, See, now, that uh, you giggled there, Charlie, and you were trying so hard to be a grown-up. I know. Because he said, I felt him. But it was more the fact that, like, yeah, my son is there, and it, yeah, it's it, it, he ignores a lot of double entendres, the emperor, which <laughs> tells me, which tells me he's taking it all too seriously. <laughs> have, have a few laughs in the workplace is what I think. And then he's like, strange that I have not. Are you sure your feelings on this matter are clear? And then tells him to go down to the the sanctuary moon and meet him um so they land and then uh, immediately have a chase with some speeders speeder bikes yeah which, which i kind of like i always thought it was a cool sequence this that's a pretty cool chase that's done really really well now you mm. can see you it really stands up even with the blu-ray that stood up for so long you have to sit back down again <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> It must have taken ages to do it as well. They did it. A, um, they did it a frame per second. Yeah. So th- this this was like, because I remember this being like a huge thing for the film as well. Just like, because uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think you had really, essentially, three massive huge set pe- um, uh, set pieces. Given that the 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 big freeway battle is count that as one. This is like the middle one, but this is kind of like, oh, that's kind of like the cool idea that we had, sort of in between the film, and it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, it does make the film stand out, I think, as like, oh yeah, uh, it's, it's a really iconic sequence, mm. and yeah, the, the, the fact that they got a guy on, with a steady cam to walk through the forest, um, to film that, is just uh, to film all the, all the, the kind of movements is just amazing, and it's so well done. And again, it's a combination of puppetry and live action and blue screen and all kinds of things. Um, and it's just a really good sequence. And there's no music. No, it isn't, actually. No, it just drops out. You've just got the sort of sound yeah. of, like... Yeah. And it, yeah, and it just makes all the different sounds. And it's, it's always just feels really distinctive. 
I like I like it a lot, and obviously this leads to like our first meeting with Warwick Davis <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> as Wicket. Now, this is where I see. Now I talked about how this was a difficult film to um, review, and then nothing I've said to this point evidences that. But I think we we we've kind of got to it. I can't. I've never seen the problem with Ewoks. But is the fact I've never seen the problem with Ewoks the fact that I saw it like six? I don't know. I was never that in love with them either, so it's not even nostalgia. Oh, they're so cute. I've never been like that either. But it's just that they're just a matter-of-fact part of the story. Yeah. And they're not particularly cute either. No, I mean, they are like literally, when, when they find them, they are like going to cook them and eat them. Yeah, especially in, when they... Put CGI eyes on them. I know. I mean, that CG is quite well done, but it's completely unnecessary. And creepy as... Um, yeah, so... Here's the thing. This is kind of an annoying thing, particularly about Jedi, uh, in regards to the special editions. Out of all those three original films, Jedi is the one you probably don't have to do anything with. Well, actually, the one that got less um, least uh, touch Empire. was Empire. By yeah. a distance. Em- yeah, Empire well, actually, had, no, I'd say Empire as well, actually. Empire had very, very little done to it. When you go to Cloud City, you're seeing windows where there weren't windows. There were, like, white panels yeah. and stuff like that. And there's also an advance towards Cloud City as they fly in that wasn't there. We also talked about um, Darth walking to his ship that wasn't there. The Emperor has changed, but there was still an Emperor scene, so it's not new, it's just tweaked. Um, and at the very start, the... The Wampa. Uh, the Wampa, that's the word. That was changed a little bit. But it really is a load of tweaking. Whereas when you look at the end of this film, and it is really more the end than anything else, a lot more has been changed here yeah. than in the second film, but nowhere near as, as as much as Star Wars. I was more going with in terms of just, I say, just like tweaking, just touching up certain special effects stuff and just making things... Kind of like look more modern kind of kind of kind of element, right? Yeah, okay. You know, you know. I mean, I suppose there's argument you do certain things with Empire, but maybe you probably have a good point. Yeah, Empire as well. Um, watching the original one is like of this, the original not untouched version. There, there isn't much really you need to do. I mean, all right, you can make an argument for continuity of Hayden Christian as the the Jedi. It's a shit goes. argument, but yes, but. Um, hey. even then I think we'll get later on that doesn't make any sense we, whatsoever we will get to it yeah, um, it makes a kind of sense but it's shit I hate it well it, yeah it doesn't make yeah but um, but the the film as a whole just I, I think this I didn't say it at the front, front of the podcast but it it look it's the one that looks the best out of the three I mean for obvious reasons because it's, it's, the, it's the later one you know it's you know, technology is it's, it's the most on pla- and it's more, it's more, more probably budget. The most pla- it's probably the most planet bound as well until yeah. the final act. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I think as as well. In in terms of the effects, there wasn't a lot at this point. They pretty much perfected what they needed to do. So I mean, there's there was bits. There's still bits. Well, there was originally bits in the original version of Empire Strikes Back where um, you had like 
the uh, um, the outline around the mat of the TIE fighters, the squares and stuff like that. Yes. And most of um, Hoth doesn't kind of look right. Yeah, and um, um, there's um, like this one. It's lasers and stuff. The, um, rancor beast that doesn't look great. Yeah. Original. Yeah, but in terms of like the, the space stuff, mm. then like um, it's all pretty much impeccable, and nothing's really changed. Which yeah, and I didn't need to be. So I'm glad that they that he resisted the temptations um, to uh, add any super CGI bits to uh, to the space sequences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has been tweaked. It has been cleaned up. There, there, there are a few ones that really got my goat about this, though. Those Which ones? ones? The, the one that, I, I think the one that ultimately did it. I mean, apart from like a few things unnecessary in terms of Jabba's palace and things like that. But it was just the the one that caught up. Well, maybe think, oh, for fuck's sake, was right. It, it is right at the end when, like, when, when Vader just like throws the Empire down down the shaft. He, you know, they actually added in like a insane oh, no. a couple of times. Oh, no. I just thought, what well, we didn't need that. We I, I got that just from the the him just looking at Luke and looking at Empire. I could see, I could see him thinking. I didn't need him to go no. You know, I just didn't need it. It almost feels like George's revenge because of all the people that took the piss out of the end of Revenge of the Sith when he did it. Yeah, yeah so I'll put no everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there are loads of things that bother me, but I'm, obviously there's more along the way. But this, this sequence, this kind of bit of the film is kind of a bit where it kind of, for me, it just lulls a bit. Because there was, there, I mean, while I like the Ewoks, there was a lot of Ewok stuff again and again and again and from where you get to uh where from from when leia is found by wicket to when they get when they see her at the ewok village it's just very long and not particularly interesting to me yeah. um like you go they're in the trap um, and again, it's it's funny because there's a like, great jury always thinking with your stomach, and then R two cuts it with his. But I, um, I guess that would be a criticism uh, of the film for me that I've talked about the first act being too long. It it is I, I, it isn't like the Phantom Menace in that it doesn't feel like the Phantom Menace. But when we get to that next week, I'll be talking about how much padding there is in that film. Yeah, oh, I think there's quite a lot of fat padding here. It's almost like. The saga was two and a half films, but we've got a full film to go after part two. I think I think it says a lot that they sort of managed to. I know there is you could say there's what padding in between, but in terms of like the sexy, uh, sexy, the set sequences, <laughs> <laughs> the, se- the, the set sequences. Uh, Which version's that in? <laughs> The sexy box. It's uh, it's a really special edition, unique in fact, <laughs> and it's all in my head. Uh, no, the the set sequences at the end. Um... The sex sequences. <laughs> the... That's something I didn't realise. What, Chris? Try that again, man. The set. Sequences okay, the the, the the set sequences. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um... <laughs> Where like it is basically <laughs> not helping myself here. The climax at the end of the film. What was <laughs> it? When they shoot their legs. Uh, but you know you got the, the, the freeway <laughs> the freeway where they all shoot their loads in different directions. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We haven't even got to the scene with the brother and sister yet. <laughs> Sorry, we finished too early. <laughs> and then the but, dad. Um, but it managed to actually tell a lot of story within like action. You know, it's um, it, it it actually covers quite a lot in 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 in, in regards to that. So when you think about this film, that it, it the plotting is quite basic. It means like okay, they free the free uh, hand from Jabba, right? Uh, they. Yeah, I've I've seen Yoda. Go go to Rebel, get the mission. Go to go to um, Endor, meet Ewoks, and then and then sort of finish up the rest of the film. Really, it's quite basic. It's not like there isn't much in it, but the but the whole scope of the whole thing it just feels all satisfactory, and it, and I think it does quite well. Really, it, towards the end, it feels you don't feel like you've been cheated cheated in terms of regards to story. You feel like. Yeah, I kind of got my money's worth. I mean, I mean, it's nowhere near near as bad as episode one from that perspective. Yeah, I actually think it's really pretty good. But all I'm saying is that there's little bits of padding here and there. They're quite minor, but bear in mind they followed last week's film, which I thought was pitch perfect, and the first film, which went for like ultimate simplicity. Yeah, and it had by definition one story to tell because they didn't know they'd get any more. It must be difficult where you when you're writing a trilogy to like space it fairly mm. evenly when they're going to be um, uh, three parts of a similar length. So I, I, I'm not too too tough on this film. I, I I think it looks great. I think it sounds great. There's so much about it I like, and a lot of the complaints you get about it, like the Ewoks. I think they're kind of neither here nor there. It, yeah. It's so yeah. what? Um, Jabba's palace is too long. I think that tells you there's not much in the film, really. Um, but as we get towards the third act, where it's cross-cutting, trying to get the shield down, the Emperor putting an awful lot of psychological pressure on Luke, and Lando and crew ready to go at the Death Star. I think that is a masterpiece of editing. I think that really does get to the heart of what Charlie said a couple of weeks ago, that the man at heart is an editor more than anything else. Absolutely. And, and yes, I mean, <clears throat> the, the really crucial scene, um, and again, and this is just kind of, you get the scene with, um, with Luke and Leia, and he tells her about Vader and then says... What do you remember of your mother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she died. She, she, she died from being... Um, she lost the will to live. What a selfish bitch. <laughs> she died of a broken heart. That's what yeah. my mother. She, she, she was she pretty, a bit but like what an asshole. Yeah. yeah. My mother, uh, she was in love, actually. No, that's the other one. Ah, uh, right. Um, again, this, this Mark Hamill carries this scene. Because I don't think I don't think Carrie Fisher is particularly good in this scene, and I think in a couple of bits and pieces she's. Well, she's playing um, confused, really. And she's like, Luke, what's going on? It's very mannered. Yeah. So whereas Luke is very, I I I just I want to echo what Charlie said at the start. I I actually think Mark Hamill's really good in all three. He's weakest in the first one because of his age and the character he's being asked to play. Yeah, uh, but as the the series goes on, you you see him get so seasoned and so. I think he's magnificent in this film, and he's got to go up against Darth Vader, who's I know it's just a man in a suit, but it's an opposing man in a suit with James L. Jones's voice. 
and the emperor and he and he holds his own so well and then you got the element of his hand having been shot as well so there's that kind of is he becoming a robot is he slowly becoming vader he's dressed in black and all the rest of it mm. I, I i find it all fascinating and i love it yeah so i mean that's that's the thing because so you get to see this scene and it's it's not a great scene but again hamill carries it then you get like han afterwards yeah, yeah. And, he, and and I think that's what kind of made me think, like, fucking hell, you know, he, he really would be like thinking, what the fuck's gone on since I've been, what, I've been frozen. Yeah, so he, he's a bit, so, he's a bit, he's a lot softer than he was in Empire um, and Star Wars. And I know that's kind of been a bit of a criticism, um, but I know that's kind of part of his arc as well, which is why he needs to shoot Greedo properly. None of this. Well, you do, you do tend to lose a bit of tangibility when, I mean, you've been defrosted, so. Self-defense bollocks. But the, the pivotal scene for me in, 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 is when he goes to Vader, when he goes to, and, and just kind of gives himself up. And first of all, it's cool to see an Atat in the forest, but I wonder how the fuck that works um, with all those massive trees. Kind of, um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if they can actually maneuver that well in between them, which is probably what we don't see them when the actual fight's going on. Yeah, they probably thought, this would be a good idea. Oh, shit. Mm. (laughs) At the end, we do see the attacks felled in a number of hilarious ways in manner of physical comedy. It's the the smaller ones. Yeah, oh, yeah, the little ones, yeah. Yeah, the ATSTs, yeah. Because here, they're the the, the four-legged ones. They're vast. Yeah. This scene with him and Vader um, is just great. And again, Mark Hamill in this scene um, but James Earl Jones and Prowse doing the uh, doing the actions as well. Um, a lot of pointing, but uh, just 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 the way the it plays out. Longest has any meaning for me? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. fingers going back and forward quite interestingly. Yeah, it's the, quite funny. I've learned. I've, I see. You've constructed a new lightsaber, and the fact that Luke just turns from him while while he's turning while he turns on his lightsaber. And he could kill him instantly. Um, so there's a kind of a level of trust there, but but you understand what Luke's going for. And then but and then there's that little tiny moment where he says, "I must obey my master." It's all it's just like a little cry for help. Yeah, I kind of felt a little bit like, oh. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now. And then the old, my father's duty dead thing. And then Vader just goes and looks looks away. And uh, it just starts his wheels turning again. Um, and I just think it's a really, really nice sequence. And then it goes to the uh, more spaceship bits, which, again, is just impeccably done. And you know, it's nice to see the kind of um, the full size of the Rebel fleet. Despite, if, even if it is like tiny compared to the Empire, it's still um, got a, got a fairly large number of ships. Uh, what I also like about is you actually see. I think I said the same thing about that last week, but you actually see the Empire's plan, and you actually see him sort of like thinking, like you know, it's not just like a, a matter of fact of sequence of like, so oh, surprise, we knew you were coming. We actually sort of see what, what the Emperor is actually thinking. We actually sort of, you know, he's actually thought this through. But his only weakness is like what Luke says, your overconfidence, you know, it's like, takes one limpin, one linchpin to kind of, to one thing to go wrong and it all falls down. You know, it's, uh, you know, but he's, he's, what he's trying to lure like the entire rebel fleet 
straight to him. So he, and then like lure, lure a trap from him and and destroy him all. So it kind of like all makes sense really for him to sort of like sort of th- let the the plans sort of leak and and set things like uh, as as like a as a trap for him. But uh, but that that element I kind of liked as well. Yeah, Luke's taken to the Emperor. We do we get the basically get uh, they they begin to kind of like try and take over the uh, the shield, don't they, with the help of the Ewoks? Basically, we're in that sort of big freeway set. set. <laughs> Fucking hell! I'm gonna shut up now. Yeah, because the 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 Ewok that um, steals the speed bike. Yeah, and they all go after him so they can uh, so they can go in and and try and take over the bunker. Mm. Yeah, and then it, and then it cuts straight to uh, to Luke being taken to the Emperor, where he kind of lays. And it's great. This it's 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 almost Bond like, the way he just kind of lays out his master plan. It is quite safe from your pit of a little band. But yeah, but instead of instead of the normal kind of confident Bond kind of, we'll see about that Goldfinger. Mm. Um, it's it's Luke's kind of clearly horrified. And uh, and it's it's interesting to see his his reaction, especially see, as he's gone on what is essentially he saw as a suicide mission. He's like, thinking, I'm just sacri- sacrificing myself." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and that's when all the the, the rebel fleet comes up and they realise that the uh, the shield is still up. Mm. The you rebel scum! Oh, but they underestimate the Ewoks. Which is kind of annoying thing because the Emperor never really sort of understood what went wrong. It's all, because, all thanks to the Ewoks. To be honest, I'm surprised that he didn't just send stormtroopers to exterminate the entire race. Um, can't shoot straight. Because he seems that kind of, like that kind of person. And they, they can't shoot straight unless it, until it matters, like when they hit R2. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's one of those things where... The Ewoks don't seem 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 quite well hidden, or they just don't seem to be that much of a threat. They're just like, well, what's the point? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's going back to the the Vietnam allegory of uh, underestimating. Yeah, I say his own confidence is his weakness. Yes, and uh, <laughs> still the Ewoks chucking rocks at, uh, at stormtroopers. Um, that's what it comes down to and he's talked about Vietnam and stuff like that and it's a bit of an allegory for the Viet Cong actually taking on like you know a bigger more technologically able bike and all the rest of it well firstly this is 1983 and you think well as uh, as Vietnam allegories go, you've left it slightly late but also it is that lingering I'm really not sure how much of what Lucas says is to be taken seriously when we start talking about themes and ideas and stuff. But it's okay. It's an all right sequence. If the film was focused entirely on this, I think it would be terrible. But the fact it's cross-cutting between three different things makes it work quite well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um... I think Lucas was going more like, of all about oh, the little guy sticking it to the man kind of element, probably. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I, if I can remember, he was talking in the kind of the, the interviews he did for Jedi, he 
when in '83 he did kind of talk about Vietnam in there because he talked about the oh, Ewoks yeah. and how they were originally Wookies mm. in the, when he re, when he re, well, supposedly when he originally wrote it um, when it was when it was Star Wars and then because he couldn't afford to have a planet full of Wookies he put one Wookie in um, in the first film and then kind of brought it back and chopped them in half literally. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it, and, and yeah, I mean, there's kind of like all these all the scenes like you mentioned earlier with with the two the two Ewoks the Ewok, the mate that kind of leans over and finds mm. out that his his mate is dead. Yeah, um, and there's just scenes of Ewoks being taken out, and they 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 tr- they try and trip over the the ATST and it just drags them with yeah. it. Yeah, and then you got the one with the uh, the little flying glider thing that drops rocks and. He just drops a couple of rocks and this massive just bounces off it. Yeah, yeah, and then just shoots it down. Um, But yeah, it's really well the way that cross cuts with um, the other the other two um, stories, and especially the space stuff is just unbelievable. It's just that there's one scene where there's just what seems like hundreds of Tie Fighters. It, it's really, really great stuff. Um, so, getting to the meat of it, uh, the Emperor was trying to taunt Luke because giving in to um, anger, anger is is basically a dark side thing. Luke mm. is slipping to the dark side when he's fighting Vader. That whole wailing on him with a, you know, like it's a baseball bat, is a dark side way of fighting. Um, and the fact he stops to look at his hand is is the final. No, yeah. I, I mustn't. But it's kind of interesting just to watch the the emperor enjoy because emperor want the emperor wants Luke. You know, he got Darth Vader, a uniquely talented apprentice. Yeah. He wants fresh blood for yours. Like, okay. And then not only did he get older, although we don't want to get too much into age in this film because the timelines are a bit fucked that way. Yeah, but he um, yeah, yeah, because he's he must only be like. You know, in his early forties here, but anyway. But he's fucked up, though. He's like, you know. But he's lost limbs. Yeah. And I hate talking about midi chlorian counts for obvious reasons. We'll get to next week. But if you buy into any of that at all, if you start cutting off limbs, you're cutting off some of his ability. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, he's very stiff, and he's, he's not, you know, he can get fresh meat, and that's what he wants. He's quite happy for Luke and Vader to fight each other because the worst case scenario is he ends up with the status quo. Vader wins, and well, he's got Vader. He's got Vader anyway. So it's no, it's no loss for the Emperor at all. If Luke gives in and goes for it, he'll shift to the dark side. And if he kills his father, great, he could be your new apprentice. But one, one, one thing. That I never got with the Star Wars thing, and it and it's more with Episode Three with Sif, right? It's the it's the idea of like, oh no, I've given into the dark side, right? Well, best serve you then. I just like I I just I, that I just do not understand that element of. It's not very well done in Episode Three. That's what. Well, it 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 isn't, but it's like the here, idea of like here. It's more that Luke catches himself, if you yeah. like. Mm. It's happening, but he catches himself. Yeah, and I just get that as like the in terms of the plan, in terms of all right. Well, let's just say Luke does go dark side, kills Vader. He goes like, ah, oh, well, you're now part of dark side, and Luke's gonna 
No, fuck you. I'm not going to join you. It could be, no, sorry, I just lost my rag for a minute. That's all. <laughs> Oh, 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 um, all that is like, I mean, yeah, right, I've joined you. Or... Join me and we can work out how to save Padme. He joins him and he goes, oh, we'll figure it out. And you think yeah. at that point you should go, you conning bastard. Yeah, it's just that it's just that idea is like sort of like uh, oh you've you have you have killed your father, you're now part of the dark side, you must join me. He goes like, Nope, if I'm on the dark side, I'm gonna be new emperor bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Which is what Vader was trying to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's basically. just that part of it. Just that I don't quite understand that. That just doesn't quite make sense. What's yeah, but that's 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 just because the one time it's really done, it's done badly. Here, yeah. it is just a question of turning him. Mm. Luke's young and impressionable still, so it's not a stretch to imagine that if you yeah. can turn him, he will turn to you because he doesn't know the force. He, he's he, he's you know. He, he's got like orphan syndrome. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, he never saw his father. His uncle was killed. And his father, surrogate, exists as a force ghost, but that's it. So, I mean, Luke, he... Luke theoretically would be very open to that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean you've you got the thing as well with, in the last film as well, when um, Yoda was training him. When he was telling him about about the dark side and, and how it comes, and again Luke being reckless and not listening to Yoda, um, in the where he goes into little into the cave, kind of a, a bit of foreshadowing of of that, and how and then kind of like a lesson on on how anger drives us, and then going from there, it kind of almost as if if you give in to anger so much. That you are just going to murder someone, um, that something like that is going to be something that you won't be able to come back from. That's what it is. It's the fact that you're on a path that you you have you 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 are part of the dark side. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's it's almost not about making a choice at that point. So anyway, they launch into uh, battle with each other. Yeah, and again, the special editions fuck this up royally um, with the lightsabers. I don't well, know what they did. Shot, there's shots where the core is missing. Yeah, and and in that sequence, in the, that iconic shot when they meet, crossed over Palpatine, yeah, over the that's Emperor. where the core's missing. Yeah, and they they go through each other. Yeah, and it's shit, and it's just like, how can you allow this to happen? How can you honestly look at that and think that's okay? That's better than what was before. That looked better in 83. Yeah. You know, when you think you're cleaning up an effect, the, the first, it, it's almost like the Hippocratic, you know, it's like first do no harm. It's like, well, if you didn't make it any better, that's forgivable. You shouldn't be making anything look worse when it's an existing shot. Yeah. Uh, but the, the actual fight itself, I I like. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, it's. I think it's uh, all made they, by Palpatine, just sort of like chatting shit in between the entire thing. Yeah, taunting him with his friends yeah. as well, which is the same thing he got called in by in the second film. Mm. You know, he, he ended up going to save his friends. Mm. Well, there's there's nothing ignoble about that, but the fact is, he's been warned twice now. That's not the way to focus your mind. And that's what he's done. 
Um, and the other thing is, the one thing as well is that Vader was much more powerful in the second film. Well, firstly, that was kind of his peak across the three films. But it's also the fact that there's something about the presence of the Emperor that diminishes Vader. The very fact the Emperor's there yeah. makes him like his dutiful lapdog. Mm. And so it makes it all the more realistic to me that he, he starts um, struggling in the fight. There's something about the Emperor there that makes that more plausible. And also, um, Luke, his son. Uh, it's, it's still, I mean, even, that's the thing. We're, we're told, it's like Blood Baby, one, like, like, that Vader is more machine now than man. Um, twisted and evil. But, I mean, it's one thing I that always, um, always found interesting is the only person he kills in this film is the Emperor. Yeah, I mean, Darth, Darth Vader is, it, it, it's kind of... Even... It, it is kind of like a curve. In the first film, he's being bossed around. In the second film, he's at his peak and killing everybody. And in the third film, he's diminished by the Emperor. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's almost like he has the confrontation with Luke. And then they escape at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And there's a bit which is pretty funny as well when he just walks off with everyone expecting him to uh, to go mental and choke someone out. But that kind of point where, yeah, he's he's, he's almost like he's soul-searching a bit and the effect that Luke has had on him and the fact that Luke wouldn't join him when he had done the same to the Emperor. Because um, I, I always thought that the way they should have done it in the prequels is they should have mirrored the uh, original the original trilogy trilogy a fair bit to the point of the first couple of films but really instead of jumping off that whatever structure anakin would say yes right i'm sorry i see what you mean there should have been that sort of uh, the, yeah, city yeah. Element, rather or, than or just just comfortably in Palpatine's office. Yeah, you know. just just a scene where he's where he's taken to his limit, and where and where Luke said no, he said yes. So then you've got Anakin Vader in that position where his son has basically chosen death over joining with him, and you and because we can't see his face because we're just used to this, all his armor and stuff that is masking everything. We can't see what's going on inside. So it's only just to think about what kind of effect that may have. And that for me is, is why I love the character of Darth Vader and what happened because of the kind of depth that was in there that sadly wasn't met with the prequels, but either way, so when you have Luke fighting Vader, Vader is fighting himself. And there's a bit where he goes, your thoughts betray you. And then he chucks it, chucks the lightsaber at him. And it, um, oh, yeah, because he's like, you won't kill me. I don't believe you'll kill me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You underestimate the power. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. But there's very much he's fighting himself as well as he's fighting Luke. Um, 
And that kind of adds a really kind of interesting dimension to it for me. That because, makes he's, it... because he's watching himself three decades yeah. on. And he's like, well, I gave in. Why aren't you? Yeah. What do you think, Becca? I think it's a great scene. Um, I can't, to be honest, I can't really say much more than what Charlie said, to be honest. It's just emotionally. It, it works so well. It really does. It's like one of the all-time kind of great... I don't know. Um, well, basically, you know, you know, the whole thread running through the whole of the three films so far. We'll take this in a vacuum. Um, it just it's, it reaches ahead in like the most poignant and emotional way. It's like the perfect coda to like to that arc of the story. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot more emotionally charged, isn't it, than any of the others? Yeah, certainly for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a trade-off with the second one because. When you look at The Empire Strikes Back, I think it's a better choreographed fight. I think that, it, I, you know, just taking... You could take steals from it and, and it looks better. But this one is just riven. And it's also... Um, there feels like higher stakes because we've been told again and again that Luke is there before he's ready. Uh, with this one, I, it doesn't feel like Luke's outmatched in the same way. So it's not as nerve-wracking, but at the same time... It's the um, ultimate test. It's like, well, is he... He's trained, it's, it's yes, the, but well, that's it's, not the it's test. It's the last one as well. So it's got that element of, like, it's now or never. This this is this is so emotionally charged as well. Mm. Mm. Plus also you've got mm-hmm. all, 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 all the stuff happening, you know, in, in space and on Endor, you know, flipping to, like, oh, crap, are, you know, are they actually... It will Han manage to get the the, the deflect the shield down, and you know will will the fleet able to survive in between then? You know the, there's that element going on as well that just heightened tensions. Which he does by speaking to a really stupid imperial officer um, when he's when he's there and he's covering his mouth with the with the radio. Yeah, um, on the big screen, going it's over, Commander. <laughs> and he just says, yeah, just send everyone outside. So yeah, so you got the bit where they. Um... Uh, it's a nice little sort of way, nice little sort of thinking of like improper in thinking. Like, oh, I can't get the door down. I'll try this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, but the, yeah. uh, there was also that nice little payoff of the uh, "I love you, I know" as well, which I thought was a nice sort of. Yeah, yeah. And again, another stupid addition was when when R two gets shot, and they added more bits coming out of him. Oh, R two, why'd you have to be so brave? <laughs> And it's again pointless, pointless shit. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and, and then they start going towards the Death Star, and then the uh, the Emperor just goes mental. Yeah. Um, with his lightning. And it's wonderful, actually. Just little things they couldn't recover it. Um, they tried to, they tried to make Ian McDiarmid look the same in the the prequels. We'll talk about how they did yeah. next week, but. Just that little wrinkling around his chin mm. and his teeth, that's not quite there in the prequels. He's unsettling. He's, uh, it, it's the perfect... He looks um, ill, though, that's the thing. He well, looks... it's the perfect uh, representation of what Mark Kermode says sometimes, that there's nothing wrong with scaring kids, but obviously there's, there's a limit to that. You can't show them something that's going to give them nightmares for months. But this was actually a perfect example in that when I was six, he scared me, but he didn't haunt me. Yeah. You know, I, did, I didn't come home and then I couldn't sleep or anything. 
but it was genuinely uncomfortable to watch him when I was six years of age. Mm. But like, I mean, like, like Chris said, he looks sick, but he looks sick from the kind of Evil. the dark side. Yeah. yeah, from from the anger, from the hate. Whereas he looks rubbery in episode three. Yes, and the uh, special edition of Empire. Well, yeah, um, it doesn't make sense when you like look when you've watched the prequels though. That 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 fairly goes. And then um, there's, there's a bit ways ways. Um, doing his lightning on Luke and it goes and you see it go over his, his teeth over Luke's teeth mm-hmm. and it's the most painful thing ever and that's that sequence and uh, yeah god they fucked it up what was the no they did yeah yeah I just thought what was the point like why why bother you know it, it, it's almost as like well if it's if it's perfectly clear visually you don't have to spell it out it's pretty cool that you can pick him up and throw him, up, throw him down the thing with uh, only one hand. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty wizard. Yeah, he, he, he does go like a bitch, though, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the way you see his skull through the armour as well. The mm-hmm. lightning is awesome. Um, and again, pre-CGI, so all animated. Pretty impressive. Okay. So they've got the uh, shield down as well in, you know, in that time. And then there's a full-on attack on the Death Star. I love this battle. Mm. What, like, sort of slightly... It, it's a good thing they've actually learned from the mistakes, like, oh, actually, no, we would best not leave that sort of little tiny little shaft thing. No, let's leave, let's leave loads of it. No, they were still building it, to be fair. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, but it seems like a lot more difficult thing you have to fly inside it to actually get to the thing that's going to blow it up. Yeah, I just yeah, it's, it's a great scene. Um, and just you, you kind of damaging the Millennium Falcon and taking off the dish, which is like one of the iconic bits of, of the ship. I think it, it, it isn't as iconic as the first film because of the trench run and all the rest of oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's way tenser. It's way tenser them trying to outrun fire to get out of it and stuff. Yeah. Can actually sort of see the flames actually go engulf like the screen. So, the Death Star's been blown up. Just as that's about to happen, Luke gets off him, gets off with Vader. <laughs> Hang really? Fucking hell. Yeah, he did. He took his mask off and got off with him. Hang on. That's not what I meant, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that must have been a very special edition. <laughs> <laughs> Was Luke on there? No, he got off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yeah. But um yeah, no, they, they get off the Death Star just before it blows up. He had he had a, he had a nice bit where um you know he, he he takes the mask off him and uh you know he said like he's pleading with him to kind of like no, As a don't. kid I hated that. I was like, Oh, is that what's underneath? Well it, mm. it's it's yeah, I guess it kind of ruins the surprise, but of oh, well, it it ruins the mystery. <laughs> the surprise. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Well, not the surprise, but the mystery, I should say. But yeah. I, you know, uh, particularly this video, I did, I did, I did enjoy the um, the kind of Luke sort of like saying, "Look, come on, I'm like you know, I've saved you now. Come on, like, come on, we can like sort of let's be father and son now. You know, let, let's be good together." It's like you know, you already have saved me. You know, and it's kind of like a nice little, nice little way to end it. Yeah. No. It's uh. Yeah. I mean. 
Yeah, because I've heard people previously talk about them saying, oh, about him taking his mask off. It's just, well, what did you expect? He is just a man, and that's, yeah, that's no, the whole no, point no. of it. I know that now. I'm talking as a six-year-old, Charlie. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, but, I, but I've heard adults complaining about it. No, I know, and that's fucking yeah. stupid. I mean, it's fair, they did tease it in Empire, so you know they would have to see it eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when he blew. Fine, well, when he gets back, I'll get in the way. <laughs> yeah, why not? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go with him instead. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, and then he does the whole... She does the whole, yeah, he's my brother. And then cuddles an Ewok. <laughs> and, there's, and again... It, and That's what uh, I do when I get shocking family news. Get an Ewok, why not? I, I was just sort of like uh, realizing that the footage of him like sort of getting looking dumbfounded, then cut into like the memory of like of her kissing, kissing. Like, kissing hang on a minute! <laughs> you do realize Luke probably tugged one out later. <laughs> um, and then there's That's all right, I swallowed it. There was no evidence. <laughs> Doesn't count. Just wiped it on wicket. <laughs> oh, it's a, a sticky wicket. <laughs> yeah, the, those white patches aren't naturally there. <laughs> then that be- the beautiful scene of uh, him burning his dad. <laughs> oh, bless! And but it's it's just again iconic images. That is just. I hope they cleaned him out first because that would have just stunk as shit. Surely. <laughs> well, you just well, I assume he disappeared. Well, we don't... Well, I don't know, because he joins... That's the confusing thing. Let's get to that with the prequels, because obviously we're used to them dying and almost immediately joining the Force, but yeah, okay. We'll come back to that one. And then, um... And then Yub-Nub. Yes. Yub-Nub. Can you sing Yub-Nub? So, Charlie, what is your opinion of the two versions? Now, out, out out of the stuff that's been changed... I have a lesser problem with this one, though I still have a preference for the original. What's your opinion? I don't mind it. Um, I'm I'm always into I, because I think the music is really good, the new mm. music as well as the old one. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think the, the the second one is on a bit more of an intimate scale. Um, and there's one bit that really bugs me where in the original when um, the ghosts appear and Leia pulls Luke. <laughs> oh, does she? Yeah, I suppose yeah it pulls them off somewhere. They've got, they've, got, they've got used to doing that sort of thing by this point. I caught myself before I said it um, when when um, Leia. Anyway, um, and there's there's a bit in the in the original where Luke kind of does this like, like double blink kind of thing to acknowledge them, and for some reason they cut it in the uh, in the special edition. So it just it just seems really awkward. I guess maybe because I've seen that bit so many times. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's like like you say the, the scale. Seeing, I mean, I don't really care that much about seeing it on other worlds because the Coruscant thing's quite good. And again, um, they changed it. The original, they changed like bits and pieces of it when uh, when the, the DVD came out and such. Yeah, so, they did because it's the Jedi Temple now. And that yeah, was yeah, the yeah. Original version of the, the original redo, not the original. Version. Yeah, and the and the, the redo had um. 
Naboo in it as well. That's right. Weezer 3 wasn't in the 97 yeah. version. Yeah. It's, I'm just kind of disappointed. <laughs> he get to Hoth and have all these tauntons going, yeah. Um, and cheering. Yeah, or they, um, they haven't got the news, so it just cuts to Hoth and they're like, it's fucking cold here, isn't it? Because <laughs> they but, all uh, get the news very quickly. Yes, yes. But e- either way, really. Uh, I mean, I will always prefer the original because I'm very much that kind of person, certainly about this these films. But I also have a great liking for the... Uh, it's not the worst change in the world, is it? I think I think one. it's the music as well. I think because the music is actually is really nice. It's yeah. more it's more scory, but like the original, it, it, it is like the the what's literally like a live band, yeah, <laughs> or like a live sort of sing along, which kind of um, it's just more organic. But I, I, it's, it's I suppose it's a matter of preference. But out of all the changes, it isn't the worst. Yeah, there was, they 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 still can't see you. Um, Lando's dancing and clapping. Um, but again odd choices like they put in a in the special edition they put in a um, a little a clip of um, or a scene of of Luke and Wedge hugging Um, bizarrely um, the the restoration was so good that back in 2004 when I saw that little scene it looked like it had been shot afresh and it was only that moment where you go, no, sorry, the actors didn't look like that by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was actually really clean, really nice. But yeah, again, doesn't offend me wildly. Yeah, the the ends on like the shop in the water, Kevin. It looks like a big painting. And forevermore, they'd all be happy, and the emperor was the empire was dead, and that's an end to it. Yeah. For now. The end. And then they had sex, and oops, all of them. Led yes. by Luke. One massive orgy. And Kylo Ren appeared. And the force ghost of Yoda jerked himself off watching. I do wonder, because they had the, the rumours um, about Frank Oz being around when they were filming, so I do wonder if there is going to be an appearance of him, and possibly Ewan McGregor. Oh, force ghost Yoda, yeah. They yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. certainly if, 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 if it's true that they're now doing this Obi-Wan film, that maybe put having Ewan McGregor back as the spirit would uh, would kind of help lead up to that. Who knows? I guess we'll have to wait till December. Yeah, we talked about Hayden Christensen. No. Damn it. I hope no, we're going to go the whole podcast without mentioning him. I don't like this. I mean, the fact is, if you do watch the films one through six, it makes sense, but I'm sorry, they, they aren't designed to be seen in that sequence, whatever um, Lucas says. In which case, the attitude is, who the fuck's that? Yeah. But no, Sebastian Shaw doesn't look exactly like he did when they took the Vader helmet off, but when you see the ghost appears, it is so clearly Anakin. And what I really like is, by that point, him and sort of Obi-Wan are the same generation, more or less. Yeah. So it's like two old friends meeting up. But when when they when they changed it to creepy fucking rape eyes Hayden, <laughs> he honestly looks like he's fucking leering. Well, that that was that that's that's my main issue with that scene. I mean, yeah, I don't I dislike hugely that they uh, they took Sebastian Shaw out, um, but he didn't tell him that it was for that shot. Oh, for fuck's sake! That so makes he no f- sense to do it. So that he, way. yeah, so he filmed him doing this random stuff, and then. 
he didn't know, he, Taylor Christensen didn't actually know. Well, the original, they look at each other and they're like, yeah, yeah. hello, old friend. That's what you need. Exa- exactly, yeah. And that's why it's so wonderful. Do you think George Lucas is a bit of a mad bastard? I think he's just I just like... think you he watched the episode three extras, yeah? Because uh, you get the impression from all of this, he didn't give a shit about the actors and he was just like, yeah, yeah. whatever, it's only words. And then you watch the episode three extras and he's the worst micromanaging director in the world. He, 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 he is directing Hayden's every single fucking movement. He's a shit director. He, he's a great editor. And a great ideas man, but you go one extreme or the other. You either you you know you talk to your directors about the part, or you let them get on with it. You don't stand there and have them fucking like move their every move being literally what you say. That's like giving an actor a line reading. That's offensive. And the end result. Scene like he didn't really know what um what George George Lucas was doing. I didn't know that. That's probably why it comes across really bad. Bit very odd. Anyway, we're running long. Final thoughts, folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I still um, love this film. I can't not love this film. And, and I still really enjoy it. And I think even though there are bits that I, I have criticised and I find a bit slow occasionally, um, there are so many bits in this film that I absolutely love. And I think I think it's so emotionally strong. And I think that's a real credit to it that people don't necessarily um, give it the love that it deserves, really, um, especially with Mark Hamill. Um, he's exceptional. And the character of Luke um, and his arc is just really someone that you don't kind of... you don't really see anymore. Um, and he's quite a, an inspirational character, and I just think, yeah, I just think it's great. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's the one I'm most familiar with, uh, so I feel I've kind of used this film more, but it's a very satisfying conclusion that it has, it, it does everything, it does everything that you expect it to do, so I can't really fault many parts of it. Uh, I think it, it, it does what it needs to do, and it does it very well. I, I think it's of a piece with the first two, to be honest. The the middle one is better. Um, the first one is probably less flawed, but I enjoy this one more. So, yeah, I don't really get the hate, hatred for it. Um, it's the most emotional of them. Mark Hamill's outstanding in it. You know, David Prowse doesn't get a lot of credit, but he, he acts through a suit. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad he didn't fucking voice it for obvious reasons, but, you know, he, he sells you sadness and age and, and all of the things he needs to do in this film. Um, it is a difficult film f- for me to review for all the reasons I said at the outset, but this, yes, you can look at it through the prism now of the prequels were very kiddy. Was it heading that way with this? But you got to take it as a self-contained trilogy and this finishes off a trilogy that is, is far above what we're going to get for the next few weeks. And at the time of the prequels, there was a little bit of revisionism of Sith was better than Jedi. But, the, you know, it's only the first two. And it just isn't as you go back to it. And we'll get to that in coming weeks. But this that's is wishful very strong. thinking. That's, that's fans. Yeah, it's, it's wishful thinking. It's we waited to see Vader. And because they didn't. So they they didn't so dramatically fuck up the third one as the second one, although I think they're almost as bad as each other. 
Um, but it wasn't as dramatically screwed up in most people's minds. And you finished on Vader and the Binary Sons and all the rest of it. It, it touched enough people in their nostalgia that they were like, oh, this is really good. And time hasn't been that kind to it. This is a 1983 film and time has been a lot, lot kinder to it. So I'm still very fond of it. Becca? Yeah, it's, it's one of those... It's, a, it's, a, it's like the perfect ending to like one of the perfect trilogies that we have in cinema. And now we get to review the rest of them. <laughs> with the possible section of And now three. on to the shit fest. And then the rest of them have been decent since, so... Okay, well, before we get to the shitty fact fest, let's get to the the, the last of the good fun facts. Fun fact number one, Ben Kingsley, David Suchet and Lindsay Anderson were all considered for the role of the Emperor. Leia. Fun fact number two, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this, was said in all three movies. Fun fact number three, you was never spoken in the film, nor are any of the characters' names actually mentioned in the film. Fun fact number four, Warwick Davies auditioned for the role after hearing about a radio advert from his grandmother. And fun fact number five, Endor is featured in the Bible and also appears in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Okay, social media, okay. folks. You can find me at the Kid 1976 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at MovieDrone on Twitter. You can find us at Expect Us to Talk on Twitter and also YouTube and Facebook and iTunes and Stitcher. Well, that sounds amazing. Uh, we're on such a roll. I bet next film's next week's film's going to be awesome. Which means, Becca... <gasps> Don't hold your breath. Well, no, because it's a, it's a week away, I'd die. Yeah, so naturally we are at episode six, so we're going to episode one. Seven. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, awesome. sadly we're going in release order, so we will return with Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Pregnancy. No, The Phantom Menace. <laughs>